listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Oh, yeah, living the dream once again here on a fabulous Sunday. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Orenberger reunited. It's been a long time, Rich. Oh, I know. It's been yeah. a long time. It's um, hours since the last time we got to speak to each other, which is uncomfortable. <laughs> Very uncomfortable, but it's a great day today because it is Selection Sunday. We're going to find out the field is 68 for this NCAA tournament. I got a lot of questions about the uh, the selection process we're going to get to a little bit later on. Obviously, we're covering a lot of NFL news right now. Major League Baseball is back. Uh, but it is a uh, it is a special day, Rich, with uh, selection a Sunday. No question about that. And the thing about it is, is that it's something that the entire country embraces. It, it's just amazing to me that the overwhelming majority of people that will print out a bracket later on today and start the process of filling out the field. I would say ninety nine. of the people filling out a bracket really have no clue. Haven't watched a whole lot of basketball. Maybe they've, uh, you know, followed maybe their local team, but they're really not, you know, up to date on what's going on on the college basketball scene. But they will fill out a bracket. So the guessing game starts, and it's a little unnerving every year when, you know, you're in the pool and somebody that absolutely knows nothing about it fills out a bracket and they end up winning the money uh, when you think, like, I've done all my research and everything else. But this is a, a an American phenomenon that is back at full strength this year with regionals, games all over the country, and personally, I just can't wait. Yeah, you know, um, this time of year, I spend my time perusing websites, you know, that that highlight bracket-building consultants, you know, these bracketologists and these people who really seem to know what they're doing. Well, you know, last I checked, none of them ever had a perfect bracket. You know, (laughs) I mean, it's a near impossibility to predict how things shake out. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter how much college basketball you've watched this season. You could have watched literally as many games as possible, meaning you found them all, you had access to them all, and outside of games that started at the same times as other games and you had to choose one or the other, you would still have an imperfect bracket because there's just too many options. There's too many intangibles. There's too much probability for uh, at stake. And that's the reason why, like you said, it feels so inclusive because even if you're in um, – a bracket league or you have a bet going between a couple of friends or, you know, uh, amongst your neighborhood buddies or it doesn't matter who you are, or how much basketball you watch, you have an even shot to winning the the prize as anybody else in that pool. And that's what makes it fun. I really think it's a, it's the most compelling postseason in all of sports. And, and I don't think I, I'm, I, I'm being. I, I'm going to say internationally. I've never heard of a better postseason in any sport. Period. So for the whole world, we we get this one month where we get to lock in and see a true meritocracy, almost as true of a meritocracy as you could see play out on courts across the country. It's awesome. Thirty-two automatic qualifiers by winning their conference championship tournaments in most cases, and then thirty-six at-large bids. Most of the spots have been filled. Now, uh, Iowa Sam is quite anxious today because his Hawkeyes are playing Purdue today. 
play in the Big Ten championship game for that automatic spot in the tournament. Of course, both those teams will be in the tournament. Uh, what kind of schedule do we have today, Sam? How many games do we still have today? Sam's taking a look at our schedule today. What do we got? Four games today? How many championship yes. games? So right now underway, it's halftime. Uh, Yale is leading Princeton 32-25. And then we have uh, at 10 a.m. we have the SEC final, Texas A&M. Buzz mm-hmm. Williams upstart uh, Aggies team taking on number nine, Tennessee. That's in about, oh, that's starting right now, actually. Then we have Richmond Davidson starting right now for the A-10 final. And then later at uh, 1215 uh, Pacific time, we have Memphis and Houston. There it is. For the Atlantic, or sorry, American Athletic Conference Championship. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of teams that are, you know, sort of sitting on the bubble right now. And and again, I've said this many times. I I wouldn't complain. Certainly, I'm not going to expand the tournament. I like the idea of the first four. That's sort of cool, right? You got first four, final four, 68 is perfect. Because again, everybody has a chance That's why they have these conference tournaments. You get on a run in the conference tournament, there's still a path for you to make it to the big show. So it it really is rich. I mean, as you say, I mean, it's perfect. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got underdogs, you got favorites, you got recognizable names. You know, the coaches are the stars. You got these young players, many of which we'll never hear from again. Right. I mean, when you look at the MOP, the most outstanding player, the Final Fours over the last 10 years, really since Anthony Davis at Kentucky in 2012, it's literally a who's who of who's that. Never yeah. to be heard from again. It's but amazing. in the moment, doesn't matter. We latch on to teams. You know, they, you know, somebody pulls an upset in the second round. They move on to the Sweet 16. Um, you know, sometimes you even get a an upset team makes it all the way to the Final Four. We had Sister Jean and Loyola of Chicago make it to the Final Four a couple years ago. By the way, she is uh, alive and well at age 102, rooting on Loyola once again uh, in their uh, path to this uh, tournament. So <laughs> these are the characters that we're sort of introduced to and you know we recycle the news all the time so we don't really pay attention but like you say for this for this three-week span we're locked in we got we're we got it in. we're locked in it's like a mini series and we're introduced to new characters people we never heard of before and suddenly everyone's buzzing about them right well what i love about it the most is when the arguments are over and and this is true with college basketball and and i know how it feels i know it stinks when you're on the other side of this and you feel like you've been shunned in some way but when the arguments are over you know who's the 69th and who's the 68th team you know why are we 70th we deserve to be in the tournament this year like when when those are the arguments you know you have a good system right you know because you're talking about people arguing over the last spots of such a huge tournament it almost feels like you just want to turn around and anytime anybody makes an argument about how they had a bubble team that got, you know, bounced from the March Madness brackets, you say, just be better. You know, I mean, you got to like win one more game, have one more moment and you would have been dancing. It's it's to me when you're getting down to the 70s in terms of the how highly ranked your team is and you still have a chance to win a national championship, you've got a great system in place. And it is a system that should be applied to the to college football. And people think I'm crazy. But if you had a field this large in college football, uh. 
I, or, or even maybe make it a round of 32 to start college football's postseason. I'd be fine with that as well. But you could make it as large as you wanted to. And if you did, people would still show up in droves to watch it on television. As a matter of fact, you'd probably make it into an even better spectator sport. It's a bizarre to me and absurd that college football never went that route at the FBS level. At the FCS level, of course, we know they have a 16-team tournament. And they've done that forever. I mean, again, even... Beyond just 16, and I said it before, you have 10 FBS conferences, conference champions. Your conference championship, imagine how big the title gains to be, especially for, you know, Conference USA or the Mountain West Conference, where you know you're going to punch your ticket into the big show. You got 10 conference champions, you earn it on the field. And then you have six at-large bids. Nobody's going to get left out. The big teams are all going to be there. They're all going to have an opportunity. It just it makes so much sense. It would be so huge. It would be just monstrous. And it it it, it, it probably is never going to happen. I mean, I I I say it's hard to never you know say never, but it 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 never seems like we get really any closer. Now we know we're going to be with this four team made for TV event that they call a playoff for at least four more years in college football. But boy, I wish they could take an example from college basketball. It is just, uh, you know, in fact, last night here in Southern California, uh, UCLA losing to Arizona, but UCLA is going to be comfortably in USC. But last night there was a game between Long Beach State and Cal State Fullerton for the Mountain West Conference Championship, and Cal State Fullerton, the Titans, hang on by one point. And you see the celebration, right? It's like, hey, we're going to be in the same show with Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and Arizona and UCLA. We're going to be in the same dance, even if they end up as a 16 seed. So the excitement for these kids to just say, hey, I played in the NCAA tournament, even if we had blown out. I played in the NCAA tournament. There is uh, very little like it. Uh, By the way, we're brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. Whoever you root for, whatever sport you love to watch, the biggest games are even bigger in Vegas. So make sure you plan your trip today at Vegas. uh, Visit LasVegas.com. By the way, this April 28th through the 30th, Vegas will be hosting the 2022 Draft, an event will be unlike any other with unparalleled energy and excitement that only the greatest arena on earth can deliver. The best part is now through March 13th, which is today, we're giving away a trip for two to be part of the energy and excitement. That's right. You and a lucky person of your choosing can win a trip to Las Vegas during Draft Weekend, April 28th through the 30th, sponsored by the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. Prize package includes round trip airfare to Vegas, hotel stay on the Strip, access to Fox Sports Radio's draft broadcasts, and much more. To enter and get rules, visit foxsportsradio.com. That's foxsportsradio.com and win a trip to Vegas during draft weekend. Speaking of the draft, that is down the road. You know what's coming up. NFL free agency. That's on the slate for Wednesday. We're going to get you an update on what's next with moving pieces, especially quarterbacks, coming up next. Steve Harvin, Rich Hornberger, Fox Sports Sunday, less than five hours away. Selection Sunday. We'll find out about that field of 68, but it's not just about that uh, this week, Rich. It's also about uh, certainly a very busy time in the NFL. It's that week. The official start, by the way, 
of the 2022 season. Uh, officially, the league year begins on Wednesday. That would be 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's when trades become official, free agent signings become official. But tomorrow is when you can actually, and I love this, you know, sort of legally start talking to players, which we know uh, there's violations, tampering charges all over the place that they simply ignore. Uh, We know a lot of discussions going on at the Combine and everything else when everyone gets together to talk about possible moves. Uh, Also, this is uh, the time when you got to get at the cap. Uh, The 2022 cap, by the way, is $208.2 million, and that's based on your highest paid players. I think top 51, something like that. Um, So you got to get everything in order to start off the new football season. So we get to this point every year, Rich, and we have the anticipation of a lot of moving bodies, but even more so than ever, we've got a number of teams that are looking for a quarterback. And there could be movement. I remember last year, obviously, with the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade. I would not be surprised if we see some quarterbacks that maybe we haven't been talking about being traded, being moved if the right package is on the deal. How much activity do you anticipate uh, starting tomorrow? Well, you know what what really opened my eyes to the fact that we could see an unprecedented amount of player movement was when we spoke to Charles Davis on our uh, San Diego show that we do together on Extra 1360 down in San Diego, Steve, and there are very few people as plugged in to the college football prospects coming out and who will soon be pros in CD. And the way he put it, he goes, guys, look, the way this class shapes out, and the neediness at the quarterback position in the NFL. We are going to see first-round quarterbacks. He was like, that I have no doubt. He goes, but in a normal year, like when you have a crop of first-round talent and then you have your second-tier guys, he goes, all of these players that we're getting excited about, you know, the Malik Willis's of the world, the Desmond Ritters of the world, the uh, Pickett's of the world, they would be second-round talents. Exactly. So what we have is a bunch of teams who feel, who feel, and rightfully so, like they are a quarterback away from having a special season, whether that means a, a burgeoning playoff team, whether that means a team that might might have championship implications and they need a quarterback, this is not the draft for you. So you're going to start seeing teams like, for example, the Saints or the Vikings. Uh, the Denver Broncos just did it, who are going to be looking for a quarterback. The Philadelphia Eagles – the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, if they stick with Jalen Hurts, maybe they're a playoff team again. But if they move on from him and they trade for somebody with all that draft capital they have, I think I think this is going to be the busiest trade year at quarterback we've ever seen. Yeah, this is interesting. Now, it, we've been talking a lot about Deshaun Watson. Now, here's an update. So no criminal charges were brought against him by the grand jury. But that doesn't mean that his legal problems aren't over. In fact, he'll be testifying in civil lawsuits pending against him on Tuesday. Now, we all assume that, you know, these civil suits will just be handled by, you know, writing checks to everybody. I mean, here's a check, here's a check, here's a check, let's move on and everything else. But there could th- things could come out 
Um, and, of course, the NFL is sitting back right now. We were talking yesterday about potential uh, suspensions. Uh, it could be four games. It could be six games. It could be eight games. We don't know yet. Um, now Deshaun Watson has made it clear that he wants to meet with these teams. He has a no-trade clause, so he really is in control of which teams he's interested and which teams he's not interested in. So th- you talk about a busy week. So he's oh, got—I yeah. mean, he's got these civil lawsuits pending uh, on Tuesday. He's going to be testifying there. He's going to start the process of meeting teams that express interest in him. Um, I mean, it's it just craziness. And then in the wings, you know, we talk about a Jimmy Garoppolo. But, I mean, just look look at teams that are either playoff teams from a year ago or near playoff teams. You got Tampa. You got Pittsburgh. You got Indianapolis. You got Seattle. I mean, you've got a lot of teams out there that literally need a quarterback right now. And so suddenly we're hearing, like, maybe Derek Carr. Hmm. could be on the block if, with the right price. Or a Kirk Cousins could or, be on the block. Or a Baker Mayfield. Or a Baker Mayfield. That's the latest name I'm seeing out there, that Baker Mayfield may be someone. But again, if Baker Mayfield leads Cleveland, there's another team that Javi would, would need a quarterback right now. So I don't know, because of what you said in our conversation with Charles Davis, that there is no quarterback in this draft that's a plug-in, here you are, the starting quarterback of the team. These are developmental quarterbacks you're rolling the dice on. None of them in a normal year, certainly a year ago, would have been first-round picks. So you don't have that kind of quarterback in this draft, which means everyone's desperate to get the right guy in now. Everyone believes they're, you know, a quarterback away from the big time. Uh, and, and look what the Rams did last year. I mean, and, the Rams and, went out and got <clears throat> Matthew Stafford with the idea that they were upgrading their quarterback position, and it happened. And, and they won a around. Super Bowl. Look around at the free agents also available. And I'm not saying some of these guys, obviously, we've seen about as much as they can offer any NFL teams. But this is going to be a part of the conversation, too. Andy Dalton. Tyra mm-hmm. Taylor, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. Mitchell Trubisky. You know, you're going to have availability of players that that are going to either A, be inputted now, and then come the draft, it's going to become quite clear that they are there to shepherd in the new era uh, at the quarterback position if one of these teams who bring in, for example, a Trubisky or bring in a Marcus Mariota, maybe they're bringing them in to help groom a young quarterback. And if it goes extremely well, maybe you give a second look at a Trubisky or Mariota. If it's not going so well, you move on to the quarterback you drafted in the first or second round out of this year's draft. One thing I do know is we are going to see such an unbelievable shift in the way business is being done at the NFL level as compared to years prior. Back to the Deshaun Watson story, though, because I put out a tweet last night that sent Houston fans into a frenzy. Mm. I mean, this just made the whole city of Houston just so mad at Rich Ornberger, and and you'll understand why in a second, but here's my guess, and this is what I wrote. Deshaun Watson and his representation are going to limit how much draft capital his future team spends to get him and the reason is because his new team is going to have to build around him so the Texans want a whole bunch of first rounders for Watson and it's not happening you know if if I'm going to clarify he will be traded I do think that he will be moved from Houston and 
I just believe it's going to be for a lower cost. I mean, I could see a very similar deal as per the discussion we had with Adam Kaplan yesterday on Fox Sports Radio, like a, a Russell Wilson deal where you get two first rounders. But that's not near the amount of draft capital you would get for Deshaun Watson if he didn't have this no trade clause. He's holding a lot of cards in this negotiation. In fact, so many cards that the Houston Texans are allowing him per Tom Pelissario today to take those interviews with other teams I mean how often do you hear about this a quarterback about to be traded gets to go and walk into a a rival team's franchise or get on the phone with the team it's rare but they are making concessions to Deshaun to try to keep him involved on their side of this so they can squeeze as much draft capital as they can out of whatever team is going to accept him in trade this is the first time in a very long time that a player really really has a team over the barrel and we're going to see how it all shakes out but I do think that the Houston Texans don't get nearly the value in return that they would deserve typically for a player of his caliber well I mean there's other layers to it as well let's start with his salary last year it was 10 million this year it's 35 million so immediately a team that makes the deal you're looking at a quarterback that is going to be suspended we don't know how long could be half a season he also didn't play a single down last year in the NFL so there might be just a little time necessary to get back up to speed and how much money you're going to commit on the books to him if you're only going to get a half season really maybe a half season of development and really projecting him full-time in 2023 So I would imagine all these teams in discussions with Deshaun Watson, who again wants to meet with all these teams before he makes a decision on which teams he will waive his no trade clause. um, How do you want to set up my deal? I mean, I want a new deal. I want this. I want. It's going to be a complicated process, and because so many teams are interested, we you just talking about Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Well. They're, the idea that they might think, all right, hey, if we can replace Baker Mayfield with Deshaun Watson, we're going to make that deal, but you're going to make a trade before you know? I mean, that, that, that's why this is so intriguing, that there's a lot of teams out there that need a quarterback. Deshaun Watson is the best talent on the board, but how are we going to make this work? How much availability are we going to have? So we'll have much more on this, a very busy week around the NFL, but right now, it is time to find out what is trending, and Ralph Irvin is in the house. Ralphie, how are you? Oh, just swell, gentlemen. Now, Ralph and I were discussing this earlier, Rich, about UCLA, being that we are Bruins. They yeah. lost to Arizona last night. They blew a 12-point lead. The Bigs of Arizona got the best of them late in that game. But right now, all the bracketologies have UCLA posted as a four-seed. I've seen that across the board, Ralph. And you're just shaking your head in disbelief. I I just, you watch social media last night and there are basketball analysts from around the country saying, if this is the national championship game, we're all winners. Yeah, the Arizona-UCLA game was that kind of match. H- how do you have a team that is basically playing toe-to-toe with an obvious number one seed and you say, yeah, I, there's at least 12 teams better than them. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you guys, do you think that Mick Cronin should be one of these coaches up for a massive extension, keep them around for a while? Oh, I would, in a heartbeat. Because of defense, yes. do you realize they've gone, I think I, I saw a stat like his first year, they were, you know, he took over for Steve Alford, who had no defense. They went from like in the hundreds to top 15 defensively. Um, 
it's not the prettiest basketball. Ben Hallen did this way back in the day with UCLA. All I know is you win. I don't care. I, 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 I don't care how you get to the finish line, win games. So, no, I'm a huge fan of McCrona. Yeah, I think he's done a very good job. It's just a situation of they lose the same way every time they lose. Yeah. Those, which is they uh, have a five, six-minute stretch where they can't do anything offensively. Yeah. And at some point, you got to say, wait, that's got to be coaching because yeah, they're yeah. the ones that turn that around. But. Yeah, I, I think I think in college basketball, more so than any sport, especially with a lot of the one-and-dones and the transfers and f- making all the pieces fit on year-to-year basis, if you have consistent um, success, if it feels like it's a growth program, you got to give the coach a ton of well, credit Well, he's got that. superstar talent coming in. Amari Bailey's coming in. Uh, if you haven't heard about him, you will. Uh, oh, yeah. Big-time recruit coming to UCLA next year. We will see. We will see. But right now, there is college basketball going on. Automatic bids on the line. And we start in the Ivy League, where 7.45 to play in the second half. Yale leading Princeton 51-45. Again, the automatic bid there. Meanwhile, they're playing for the automatic bid out of the SEC. Probably both teams will make the tournament. But number 9, Tennessee, with a 19-10 lead over Texas A&M. 7-16 to play in the first half. And in the Atlantic 10, Richmond, a 17-14 lead over Davidson. That's with 8-15 to play in the first half. We do have NBA action going on today across the league. Half the teams will be playing today. Kevin Durant, a fast start, already 14 points. And Brooklyn leading the New York Knicks 31-26. The Nets have had as big as a 12-point lead in this contest. Coming up at 3 o'clock Eastern, it'll be the Clippers playing at Detroit. And they are still playing at the Players' Championship. It's still cold. It's still miserable. Well, it's not raining, but it's cold. Cold. Yeah. I well, mean, it's and by cold, I say it's 45 degrees. These guys look like they're playing, you know, in, in the Arctic snow. Oh, it is cold there. Uh, I think the high <laughs> will be in the low 40s. And, I mean, we have guys that have yet to tee off for their second rounds. Well, no, everyone's on the on Oh, the they're, all, they're all fine? The, 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 they will start the third round later today. But in the I second round, everybody's gonna, out there. Yeah, from what I've been told, they will finish this tournament by the end of tomorrow. I, I heard that they're going to be wrapping it up right the week of the Masters. There's no more rain projected, uh, but they are going to be freezing their butts off. You are seeing cold. The, the so funny thing. many balls land in the water hazards. 27 it's un- at oh. 17 yesterday. It, well, I'm telling you, I just watched three in a row. The cameras found three golfers put it in the drink just in the last five minutes. I got it on in this in this room. It's unbelievable. The, the funny thing is you, people don't, you know, they, they look at that and they oh it's florida and everything i actually covered a a college tournament there uh, the same day as the daytona 500 so it was february and they didn't play until noon because the course was frozen solid yeah this was across the street at the sawgrass country club when i was in jacksonville covering the super bowl it was in the 30s it was the 30s i mean it was freezing people like oh sunny florida so it was okay this is not miami okay this is jacksonville or daytona this is georgia south yeah exactly um all right ralph thank you very much uh once again if cold candidate calls are aren't turning into hot hiring leads and you need indeed because indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to attract screen and interview candidates all from one place find your next great hire visiting indeed.com slash credit um by the way i i I wanted to ask you a question here i don't know if you saw this rich but naomi osaka was tearful 
uh, after she was playing a match down in Indian Wells at the uh, uh, Parabas Open, the BMP Parabas Open, and some woman you could hear saying, you suck. Uh, and she's like, you know, I've been heckled before, but it just got me, and she got on the mic. And, you know, we had this recent situation with uh, Russell Westbrook where he said suddenly, I don't want to be called Westbrook anymore. It, it hurts my family name and everything else. Um, you know, football's different. I mean, you're not hearing anything from the fans on a football field with everything else. So maybe the perspective is different if you're a basketball player, a tennis player, you know, a golfer, where you can actually hear what people are saying out there. Um, do you sympathize with these athletes that are suddenly making it clear that it's not acceptable to heckle me, boo me, that it does upset me and it's having uh, adverse effect on me personally? Uh, or is this something that by bringing attention to it, you're only making the matter worse? I, I do think that the unfortunate reality is even though they're expressing themselves openly and honestly and they're trying to shift um, fans or spectators away from from this sort of behavior, I agree with what you just said last there. I, I do think you're going to welcome even more of it when you address it. You know, one of one of the my the favorite lessons I, I've uh, I've ever been taught by anybody, and it was from my dad, was they don't exist. And I I was confused when he first said it because I, I said something about like we were playing in a lacrosse tournament when I was in the third grade or the fourth grade, something. I was really young. And I remember these parents of this opposing team were I mean, haranguing us from the sideline. And I couldn't believe it. Some of the words they were using, too, and we're elementary school kids. It was ridiculous, right? And my dad, I, I was shocked, like, because some of the, the parents on our side were getting into that. And I said to my dad, I was like, you know, did you uh, did you start yelling at the, the the parents for the other team to shut up? And he goes, absolutely not. He's like, they don't exist. And it was quiet in the car for a little while. And then I said, what do you, what do you mean? What does that mean? And he goes, they're going to go home and we're never going to see them again. He was like, if you give, if you give them any attention, if, if you show them that it hurts you, that is going to feed whatever it is inside of them encourages to do it in the first place. So they don't exist. And I, I, I mean, it was such good advice for somebody who at the time we had no idea what my future in sports was going to be. Um, but I ended up playing, obviously, collegiately at Penn State, where not every single person in the fans was going to be a fan of mine in the stands, right? So I, you get harangued. And I always operated under this assumption or this reality that I created for myself. They just don't exist. I'm just going to keep moving forward because if you give them daylight, they grow. So they don't exist to me. And and I don't know. I mean, that was the way I handled it. Maybe it's not the perfect way. You know, I went on to an NFL career, and I I would sit on the sideline with my my name across my back on my jersey. And, you know, you go to Kansas City where the fans are sitting right on top of you, leaning over hammer drunk at Arrowhead during a night game. You think they were kind to a last name like Ornberger? They weren't. You know what I mean? So it, it's like if but if you if you let if they, you let them know that you you can hear them. Yeah, it just encourages them. So as much as I'm sure it hurts Naomi Osaka, as much as it hurts 
Russell Westbrook. That people, as much as it hurts Ben Simmons, right? If you if you give them daylight, they only grow. So the best way to handle it is by ignoring them. Pretend they don't exist. I I remember shortly after Twitter became reality, right? And so I set up a Twitter account, and it was more just for promotional purposes for the radio station. But I remember doing a show. I don't even remember what the subject matter was, but I, I'm checking my Twitter account, and this guy is baiting me, right? I mean, he, he was going off about something I had to say, and I responded to it. And this made this guy's day. And the next thing I know, I go down that rabbit hole, right? Back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, what am I doing here? I don't even know who this person is. He's gotten the best of me, right? I mean, yep. I, he's yep. he's suddenly hitting on things. He's doing a great job. He's baiting me, and I'm taking the bait. And I remember just stopping. Like, no, I'm not going to do this. This is ridiculous. What what am I doing here? I'm giving this guy some kind of ammunition to make his day when, to me, he's nothing more than a waste of time. Um, so, unfortunately, look – Naomi Osaka, she's talked about a lot of things that go through her head. She's dealt with a lot of different personal matters. We respect that. Ben Simmons is doing that. I think Russell Westbrook is that kind of guy because this wasn't just the latest of many things where he's been very sensitive what people say. But unfortunately for them, the solution is not going public. That is not going to end the situation uh, it's difficult, but sometimes you just got to turn the other cheek and move on. And, and, just and also, move like, on. You know, as much as the NBA wants to protect their athletes, as much as, you know, tennis and, and, and any tour or association that you're involved with wants to protect the athletes, there is a truth to this that for as many people who show up and buy tickets to cheer, there's going to be as many people who show up and buy tickets to jeer. And as long as that's the case, as long as money's green and it matters to these leagues and to these associations, you're going to have to deal with hecklers. It's a part of the business. You know, I mean, talk to any stand-up comedian. Do you like the fact that somebody's going to interrupt your set and start, you know, uh, drunkenly outbursting and all that stuff? No. But you know what? If you can turn a negative into a positive, it could be the best part of your night. You know, I, I mean, what's the best way to shut somebody up in the stands who's telling you you suck? You know, ace to the next serve. What's the best way to shut up a fan who's calling you Westbrook? Have a night where you drop 50 like LeBron. You know, I know Russell Wilson's uh, Russell Westbrook's capable of it. We've watched him do it. That's a dude who could take over a game. You know, so I, I, I look I, again. I'm not saying it isn't difficult at times. Like you said, somebody can s- just cut you to the core. You know, you're feeling particularly sensitive, yeah. or you're having a bad day, or a bad week, or a bad month, or heck, a bad year, and somebody just walks into walks in the door and twists the knife just the right way. Okay, I get it. It can get the best of anybody, but if you allow them to know that they're landing shots, the bevy is going to continue. It was interesting during the shutdown in 2020, playing in empty stadiums, empty ball fields, empty arenas, how certain players seemed to do better Yep, uh, and didn't have that distraction or feel the weight of crowds watching them. Uh, and some people respond, well, others don't. Other people feed off that, you know, uh, some of these athletes. So that was an interesting experiment forced upon us a couple of years ago. All right, we're going to get back to uh, March Madness. We're counting down, of course, to finding out the field is 68. Where will Duke end up? How is this final run 
going to, I don't know, in some way wrap up the legendary career of Coach K. We're going to tell you coming up next. Mike check. Mike check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. Steve Harbin, Rich Armberger, Fox Sports Sunday. Yesterday, ACC championship game. And Duke was a huge favorite against Virginia Tech, and they get blown out. For the second straight Saturday, an emotional big game for Coach K, right? In his final season, you know, final home game at Cameron Indoor against North Carolina. Team falls apart at the end. Yesterday, one last ACC tournament championship. They fell apart. And I will give this to Coach K because he said after the loss yesterday, I tell them all the time, don't worry about me. Even in a moment of defeat, I want to be there with them. How do we use this? How do we get better? I'm thinking about Duke basketball now. You know, they're they're in the one-and-done period. You know, they've changed with the times, and they got a lot of guys that are one-and-dones that we're going to see at the next level in the NBA. But I can't even imagine the pressure on these kids, and I mean kids, to win for Coach K this year, right? I mean, it's you know the spotlight everywhere he goes. Whether it was that last game at Cameron Indoor and all these Duke legends were there, or this final ACC championship game, and it is asking a lot of these kids to somehow give a proper send off for Coach K. I'm I'm anxious to see what they're going to do in the NCAA tournament because I'm sure if Coach K was drawing this up in his 42nd and final season at Duke, you want to go out on a high note. But he's not playing the game. These kids are. uh, And so we'll we'll see. But uh, 0 for 2 in these uh, big marquee games down the stretch for Coach K. You know, I'm going to push back on that a little bit because as a college athlete and as somebody who loved the feeling of having all the, you know, the pressure and the attention of the moment while I was playing my sport, which was obviously different. It was football. It's not basketball. There's less people on the court. You know, your failures could have a larger impact personally uh, on your whole team's effort to win. There's no question about that in basketball. It happens all the time. And that's a lot to live with. It's a lot to deal with. Um, However, I think there's this concept that, you know, these kids, these, you know, quote unquote kids, these college athletes, they just aren't capable of handling some of the things that have been hurled their way recently. I'll bring it back to name, image and likeness. You know, oh, we're going to make millionaires out of these kids. It's like, yeah, but we have no problem with that three years later when they're eligible for the NFL in the case of college football. We have no problem with that a year later when they're eligible for the NBA and college basketball. Like why are we acting like these are children? They're not, they're not. And as, as much as 
there is a significant amount more pressure on this particular Duke team, and there is because of the obvious things you mentioned. Uh, it's Duke, so you're blue blood, and there's high expectations. And then the fact that it is the final season for Coach Krzyzewski, but they can handle it. They can handle it because if they can't, they wouldn't be there. They're special players, all of them. If you're at Duke University, you're, you're there because you're one of the best in the world doing what you do in your age range. So I don't have any sympathy. This is what they wanted. This is what it's all about. Go and win the whole thing. You know, I yeah, there's more pressure, but it's 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 a part of signing the paper and wanting to play for one of the best programs in the country. It's an awesome opportunity. I, I think we're looking at it too negatively. I look at it as a an awesome opportunity for these young athletes who are supremely talented. I always remember now uh, we, we talk about Coach Wooden a lot because of, you know, it's like the Michael Jordan, LeBron James comparison, right? The same yeah. thing with Coach Wooden and Coach K. Um, Coach Wooden, of course, there was no indication that he was going to retire until they got to the Final Four, eked out an overtime victory against Louisville, and then he went into the locker room after the game to tell the players this next game will be my final game. I, I think back to that. You talk about pressure. I mean, you know, Wooden had never lost a championship game. He was 9-0, and and you've been told, yeah, this is it. This is my final game. Uh, and they came out in, in really what was a toss-up game against Kentucky and came out on top. Uh, I, get a, I get a sense that this is actually going to work for Duke in the tournament. I think that... You know, he, by the way, he's tied with Wooden, most final four appearances with 12. I, I will not be surprised if Duke does get a run to the final four this year because I think these kids have learned something through this process. All right, we continue on a lot of March Madness. And yes, the kickoff of the NFL season coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, rolling along on this big selection Sunday. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Ormberger with you. And, yeah, we're about four hours away uh, from the process being announced about the field of 68. Uh, the committee, of course, has already got everything in place. They got a few, you know, sliding pieces based on the outcomes of the remaining conference championship games. But they have a pretty good idea right now who's going where uh, as they uh, fill out the field of 68. So we'll be uh, ready for that, getting ready to print out our brackets as soon as they come out. And then now, Rich, I, I said yesterday, I'm a one-bracket guy. You do, what, half a dozen? I mean, you like to throw a lot of these brackets out there. Probably average three or four a year. You know, it depends on the year. It depends on how much time I have during the week leading up to the the tip-off of the, uh, the, 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 the March Madness games. But, yeah, prior to that Thursday, I'm just – when it comes to brackets, I'm a sucker. You know, if I get an email that's like, hey, your chance to win $1,700,000 billion, I'm like, oh, all I got to do is fill in a bracket, done. And then I'm going to get spammed the rest of the year uh, with all the emails from whatever outlet sent me that. But I'm cool with it. You know, it, I, it just makes it more fun for me. I, I love, I just love the, it's thrilling, right? When you have a clean sheet 
when you're looking at it, there's no red marks on it yet. You have a clean sheet. You're just waiting for the first tip-off, and then you can start circling games that you won whoa, and whoa, whoa, whoa. out the games you lost. Okay, now how do you do this? Everyone has a di- – I, I do a very clean bracket. Like, I put a lot of effort in, you know, handwriting, you know, the abbreviations to make sure they fit perfectly. But do you do the cross-out when a team's eliminated – do you do the circle around the team if they win? Do you do both? How, how do you fill out your bracket? I'm, when I'm looking at a Rich Ormberger bracket, what's it going to look like? Uh, well, you know, I'm glad you asked because I do like to fill out one paper bracket of like – of like the the bracket that I'm really going to tout as my bracket. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's one that's more important to me than any of the others. And it's usually one that I use more than once, right? Yeah. You know, I'll fill out Again, you know, uh, our our radio station, Extra 1360 in San Diego, we have a bracket that we do down there on our website. You know, uh, Fox Sports Radio, we have a, a bracket that we do on our radio station. Uh, you know, CBS has one. ESPN has one. Uh, Yahoo Sports has one. I'm filling out. I'm printing off and I'm going to fill out what I call like my master bracket. Like it's the bracket that's held above all the others that when people say, how does your bracket look? That's the one I'm going to be referring to because that's the one I spent the most time with. That's the one that's not going to have all my chaos picks, you know, a team like out of the Ivy league, making it all the way to the final four, whatever, right? That's the one I'm referring to. So that one I take my time with, I fill it out just like you said, taking my time. I don't want any stray marks. Right. And then as teams advance, I highlight them. Highlight them. So yeah. you go the high. See, I've always been the cross-off guy. Okay. You know, right. it, it just it's a simple line if you've been eliminated. Uh, let's find out from Ryan and Sam your process. So you guys on your brackets, sheets, the main one you're going to have, do you do the cross-out when teams are eliminated? Do you circle teams as they win? How do you progress through your bracket, Sam? How do you do it? I just write in the next team on the next bracket, and then that's the next matchup. I mean, no, you, no, 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 no. I'm talking about oh, once your bracket is done. I mean, is yes, he on drug yeah. this morning? Yeah, As you've already know. got a full bracket filled out. Oh, yo, oh, yo, yo, do sorry. Do you I'm circle sorry. winners or do you cross out losers or do you do both? Well, I don't. I don't even really fill out like a paper bracket. Wow! Anymore. So it wow. keeps track for you. Oh, oh my God! What is wrong with you? Oh, you I was digital you, now. You are living you wrong, Sam. What do you, you do your taxes by hand? Oh, what are you talking about? Of course I know. I have an accountant for that. But you write letters like Abe Lincoln to fill out my bracket, Sam. How dare you? Okay. You're I, eliminated. Move aside, Mr. Hawkeye. <laughs> Jeez. It's all digital now, baby. You don't fill out a bracket. It's digital. All right. Uh, how about all you, right, Ryan? Ryan are, are yeah, you st- yeah. Do you still have a paper yeah. bracket in your hand during the tournament? Yes, I do. You do. I circle right, my yes. winners. I cross out my losers. I've done that. You do both. The entire Yes. So yes, you I've circle the winner and cross out the loser. Yes. Wow. Yes. The double yeah. whammy. Oh, all yeah. right. Wow. There he has it. Sam, I, am, I cannot believe in, the, in, a, in a country where literally hundreds of millions of people are filling out a sheet, a sheet, a printed sheet, and you write down the schools and everything else that this has been eliminated from your... I, I'll say this. I might print out a paper just to fill it out, but I don't go to it. I, I use the digital ones that help you 
keep wow. your points and wow. you know wow. where you are in the standings wow. and, and you could who's just been eliminated. Get the hell out. The red strike through there, and then they <laughs> got the is... winner advancing. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm a man yes. of the 21st century. Wow. I'm sorry. I, initially, I misunderstood your question, but yeah, yes, well, that's, that's, that's okay. What I, I know. Well, it's obvious you misunderstood because yeah. yeah. you're. I am a bracket you're... expert. Okay, yeah, I, know, I have I, done I, very well here. Don't question you, my bracket. You know what? I the misunderstand. You've misunderstood how to how to live your life. Yeah, you are not living your time life. If you don't have a physical piece of paper that you wrote out the I schools. believe last year I did I did have a paper one but I, I don't like, like consult I feel it. like you need to adopt mm. Steve as your uncle yeah you know he is my mean? uncle so you can, well, yeah. I'm like, your daddy that's what he's my mentor I'm the daddy. <laughs> yeah yeah, Everyone Steve, calls me daddy. And we call him okay. Daddy Hartman for a reason. He's yeah. here to teach us everything. Yeah. And, uh, Steve's my West Coast father. Yeah. You know, my real father <laughs> is back in Iowa. Wow. Steve's my West Coast dad. Is is uh, is uh, is Ralph available? I need I need another voice in here on this. Ralphie, uh, yeah. please tell me. I mean, I'm I'm in shock with Sam right yeah. now. Well, but. first off, anybody who who has Sam in their contacts, mm-hmm. block him for the next month because yeah. he will <laughs> spoil everything. In case you're not watching it live, right. he will spoil everything. That's, block him on Twitter. That's not true. Block. I I have the text. <laughs> what did I What did I ruin for you, Ralph? You literally you you spoiled every UCLA game last year in the tournament because I wasn't able to watch them live. I you even told to you watch do them not. Live. I told you. Do not text me because I'm not a, watching it live. I gave you a two-hour two you, cool-down period. And then you finished every single one with, oh, what an amazing play. Oh, did you see that? Because <laughs> it was UCLA winning. You were going to be What a piece ha- of garbage. Happily <laughs> surprised anyway. <laughs> that's, why he's, that's why he's blocked on text now. All right. Okay. Oh, wow. I mean, okay. Yeah. Wow. I'll have to go have see you but, test but, uh, that out. So we Ralph, opened up uh, the uh, door for Ralph, and what, I mean, what, he what, came what, barging in like the Kool-Aid So, Ralph, when you got your bracket in your hand, your sheet, okay, do you highlight? And cross out. Wow. Highlight, highlight and cross out. Guys. Highlight yeah. to celebrate and cross yeah. out to vent. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I might rip the paper mm. when I cross one out. Right. Yeah, like so when VCU really lets you down, you mm. just give them the old, hey, heave ho. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay, uh, well, we've learned a lot here. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. Yeah. And maybe with a red pen. Wow. Okay. wow. Only there red pen, it. no less. All red right. pen. I mean, those are contrasts. You know, the highlighter and the red pen. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. All right. Wow. Well, we all take our brackets very seriously, even if uh, Sam's in a different world. Yeah. And we'll spoil sorry, your I'm just, games. I'm just updated. I mean, it, I'm modernized. It's, it's, it's literally Does your dad even take your calls? Is he upset with you all the time? Is there my just, father or my West yeah. Coast father? No, no, they no. They both still, I hope, take real, my calls. Your yeah. Iowa dad. He doesn't care about basketball, so he still takes calls. He has a father and he has a dad. I just assumed he was very embarrassed with I have a dad and a father and a dad. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, hiring heating up. We may have to talk about this. Indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Uh, by the way, just a little detour here uh, with the Players' Championship going on. I was watching uh, the Golf Channel because I get addicted to Golf Channel, especially with big tournaments and everything else. And they had this back and forth, you know, Brandel Chambly, Paul McGinley about the 17th hole yesterday, Rich. Yeah. 27 balls uh, in the water yesterday with the wind blowing all over the place. And Brandel Chambly made this argument uh, he's never been a fan of that hole. I mean, he huh. literally thinks it's the single worst hole in all of golf because it's a gimmick hole. 
And yeah. he said, when you have conditions like you had today where even the best of the best, whether it was Morikawa or, or uh, Brooks Kapgar, they, 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 there was nothing. They were laughing because it was comical just trying to hit the green. Uh, he, he, he dismisses it as a, as a gimmick, and it's not good for the game. Now, McGinley pushed back. He's, of course, with the European Tour and everything else saying, what's fair about golf? Yeah. Nothing, there's nothing fair about golf. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he and I thought he made a great argument. He goes, you know, you watch these tournaments, right? And on Thursdays, you're in the morning shift. And then the next day, you're in the afternoon shift, right? And you may have bad weather in the morning. The afternoon guys get perfect weather. And then those guys get perfect weather in the morning the next day. And the weather comes back bad the next afternoon. And you were stuck with bad weather both days. Uh, half the field got good weather both days. They move on and you go home. And he's like, what's fair about golf? 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 Yeah. There's nothing yeah. fair about golf. It golf? is a game of luck and to some degree. <laughs> it is a game of, you know, an inch here, inch there. Uh, but Chambly, oh, no, 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 you know. Uh, and, and, and McGinley says, let me ask you this. What's more entertaining, watching them in Hawaii shoot 35 under or watching the best players in the world scramble to just hit the ball on the green? Yeah. What's look, more entertaining? Brandel Shambly, I think, is really missing the point. Yeah. Golf is beautiful for those who really enjoy the game because every car course offers you, every tournament offers you a different level of challenges. Now, certain times, you know, if, it, if the golf gods and the stars align just perfectly, you can have perfect conditions on a course that's playing particularly easy maybe it's shorter so pros are able to you know uh, cut off on dog legs and have really low scores and that's fun as a spectator to watch sometimes but other times you start out a tournament on a Thursday and it's perfect conditions and then things go you know to the dogs come you know Saturday Sunday the weekend turn where you know all of a sudden there's rain or there's wind I, I mean that's the that's the beauty of golf not every not every tournament, not every course is going to play the exact same way over all four days. Um, each of these these courses have a unique angle, uh, whether it's, you know, they're cut out of a for- forest somewhere in the, the, the northeast uh, or it's, uh, you know, a beautiful wide open link style course in the Midwest or it's, you know, a, 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 one of those suspenseful, gorgeous cliff vistas like Pebble Beach on the, you know, mm-hmm. the West. West Coast. I mean, it, every course has its charm, and Sawgrass. the The whole course is about number seventeen, and to diminish it, to act like it's just some ploy, is ridiculous. I think it 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 makes the game better. I'm glad they go there uh, annually. I think it's a fun course it's a fun tournament i think that players look forward to it because you know part of the lore of playing in that tournament is the fact that you're going to be on television if you do well on 17 it's it's kind of you know that clip or you'll have clips go viral if you get close to the pin on 17 because it's one of those holes that people are interested in it's weird when you hear somebody who is so uniquely qualified and understands how important visibility is to golf being that he's in uh, a member of the media surrounding golf to want to diminish something that really is one of the the after tiger woods retires mm-hmm. and you're really going to be like that's one of the storylines that you need to attach to and need to parade around because it's good for golf it's weird yeah i mean and and, and seriously when you think about the 12th hole at augusta right the par three yeah where you know uh, there's wind swirling and by the way 
unlike the green at 17, which is a monstrous size green. It's huge, huge green. Huge target. The 12th green at Augusta is like a postage stamp. And there is not a lot of wiggle room there. Uh, and obviously, if you hit it short, we've seen guys lose that green jacket hitting into the water all the time at number 12. So I, I, I thought he was way off, and I thought McGinley did a good job of saying, dude, who says golf's <laughs> fair? There's nothing fair about golf. Anyone that's played the sport can tell you that, even if you're a weekend warrior. All right, uh, we're going to get right back. we got a lot of March Madness to get to, but if you're if you're just jumping on right now, if you don't know it, this is week one of the NFL coming up. Oh, yeah, free agency and everything else. Which teams are in a position – to really get themselves in a position to win a Super Bowl with just the addition of a new quarterback. We're going to break it down coming up next. Steve Harbin, Rich Hornberger, Fox Sports Sunday on a day that we'll find out the field of 68 for this year's NCAA basketball tournament brought to you by one of our favorite cities las vegas the greatest arena on earth every game match race and competition it is always on no one does sports like vegas and the excitement is endless so make sure to plan your trip today at visit lasvegas.com uh do you follow pro football focus uh rich Armberger, pf uh yeah yeah i do and uh you know there are Articles that occasionally get put out there by Florio and his crew that draw my eye and uh, bring me to his no, website. No, 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 Not pro football talk. Oh, what'd you say? Pro football focus. Oh, yeah. I actually do a lot. Yeah, they are. Okay. The so PFF. Pro fo- yeah, pro football focus. Pro football focus, by the way, I think very underrated for how valuable they've become, not just amongst like fans and fantasy football uh, savants, like people who really want to do the deep dive to figure out if they're making the right draft choice in the sixth round of their fantasy draft, but they've also infiltrated the ranks of the front office offices and the major decision makers in pro football and college football even because this is spreading into the college ranks as well in terms of the transfer portal um pro football focus is leaned on to determine certain quantifiable statistics that you really can't find anywhere else and it comes down to having to trust that the people who are watching the film and grading players are competent and honest and accurate but if you trust that and you look at some of these measurables that they've been able to develop over time it's it's a treasure trove of of really solid information i'm a big fan of what they do well uh, they did something back in january uh where they broke it down as far as quarterback needs in the nfl now this was back in january this is before tom brady retired uh this was uh you know when we're still uncertain about the future of aaron rodgers but of the th- 32 teams in the NFL, according to them, only 11 were what they called set at quarterback. 11. Uh, That would be the Chiefs, obviously, with Mahomes, the Bengals with Burrow, the Bills with Josh Allen, the Chargers with Justin Herbert. They had Bucks on this list with Tom Brady, so obviously they're no longer on that list. They had the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. He's still there. The Cowboys with Prescott. The Ravens with Lamar Jackson. The Rams with Matthew Stafford. The Cardinals with Kyler Murray. And they also have the Tennessee Titans Hmm. set at quarterback with Ryan Tannehill. I'm not so sure about that, but everybody else was either, hey, let's think about our future at quarterback 
or just flat out in need of a better quarterback situation. That's a lot. I mean, that's that's literally two-thirds of the league still in search of their franchise quarterback and in terms of a guy that they believe can ultimately win them a championship. So when you have that many teams looking for a quarterback, and we mentioned earlier there is no quarterback in this year's draft that anyone is projecting to be, hey, stick this guy in day one and he's going to take us to the next level. It's just not that. It just makes for a wide open first week uh, in the NFL this week. Again, uh, open air conversations with players, free agents or trade deals can start tomorrow. And of course, Wednesday is when all these trades and free agent signings will start to be consummated. Um Carolina Panthers, I want to ask you about this team right now. Because apparently all word is that the Carolina Panthers are really, really trying to make a move to land Deshaun Watson. They're also offering, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey in a trade deal to try to get his big number off the book. Good luck there because obviously he's had nothing but injuries. They brought in Sam Darnold last year. That didn't pan out for them. If you were Deshaun Watson and you look at all these different teams, whether it's the Steelers or the Panthers or it could be the Cleveland Browns if they trade Baker Mayfield, if you look at all these teams, the Colts uh, who need a quarterback right now, Tampa, New Orleans, all these different teams, how are you shaking it all out? I mean, what are you looking for if you're Deshaun Watson, if you're saying, all right, that's the team I'm going to green light a trade for? If I'm Deshaun Watson, yeah, because he's really the first domino to fall. Yeah, it, it's gonna. Well, I, and and it's interesting because it's that's really to me who gets to decide. I I just think he holds that sort of leverage. Right. So from from a standpoint of the rest of the NFL, there's a lot of QB needy teams. But from the standpoint of Deshaun Watson, I, I want to go to a team that I feel like can win right this second. Not tomorrow, uh, not not in a couple of years, because we know this about sports, right? We know that winning cures everything. You know, if you have an off-the-field event that is affecting how the public opinion views you, win. Look at Tyreek Hill. How many people are talking about some of the things that he's been, you know, accused of appropriately so and that he's admitted to? Uh, Not many. How about Joe Mixon? You know, I mean, there's video evidence of what Joe Mixon did when he was a much younger man, but but it is heinous. And not too many people bringing up that anymore. You know, and and the reason being is because if you if you are a winner – uh, people are way more forgiving than if you are a questionable character guy and then on top of it a loser, right? So if Deshaun Watson is concentrating on that side of it, like the public opinion side of it, having an easier time to, to operate his life side of it, he's going to go to the team who's ready to win immediately. Is that, I mean, in your opinion, is that the Carolina Panthers? I, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, it so, just, it I kind of feel not. like there's your answer. I mean, I, I, when I look at the teams right now, I mean, to me, the most intriguing team is the Indianapolis Colts. 
you know, they, they end up having to give up a first-round pick for Carson Wentz and then dealt him for a lot less after his last disastrous games against the Raiders and especially that debacle against Jacksonville where they cost himself a playoff spot. We were talking during the week. If you're the Indianapolis Colts, if you're Frank Reich, why are you not giving your old buddy Phillip Rivers a call? Mm-hmm. I, you know, he's been out for a year, but we've seen quarterbacks out for a year. Joe Montana did that. He was out for a year and uh, really two years and then went to the Kansas City Chiefs and got to an AFC championship game. Um, he would be familiar with the system. He knows the players. He had a successful year. They made the playoffs two years ago. He's had a year to sort of heal his body. It's not like he's going to get more athletic or less athletic for with a year off. I mean, I, I don't I, – to me, that would be an obvious choice. And and you would have to give up nothing other than money. You just yeah. agree on a deal and say, all right, let's sign a one-year deal, $25 million. Maybe you wanted a little break from those nine kids of yours, Philip. But we know you can still do it. I mean, it's still there. That was my knee-jerk reaction as soon as we saw the Carson Wentz trade. Because, look, Carson wasn't bad for the Annapolis Colts, so you could make the argument that he was really good for them. Mm. I mean, look, I understand you need to be more clutch than what we saw out of Carson Wentz, especially at the end of the regular season against the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. For whatever reason, the Colts have historically had a really hard time with the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. But aside from that, I mean, you need to win certain games. And it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And what Carson had done for the Indianapolis Colts lately wasn't good. And so I understand them moving on from them. But over the time that Frank Reich has been the head coach of this team, he's had four different starting quarterbacks. Yep. Andrew Luck, then Jacoby Brissett after mm-hmm. Luck retired. Yep. Then Phillip Rivers, now Carson Wentz this past season. He's been to the postseason twice, lost in the divisional round with that Andrew Luck year, that turnaround year, mm-hmm. that 10-win year. Mm-hmm. Lost in the wild card, the Rivers year. We saw that against the Bills a year ago. 11-win season that year. I mean, if you look at the Colts, it comes down to one thing and one thing only. When you have a talented quarterback, you're going to make the postseason. When you don't, you're not. Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers were the reason. Yeah. Alongside a great defense, alongside a great offensive line, yes. alongside good playmakers on the edges and in the backfield, but it's the quarterback. So the Colts right now They're there. are the tippy top of yes. the list of need at quarterback. Man, I mean, that is a team that's got everything, but yep. they got to get stability at quarterback. All right, let's find out what's trending right now. We welcome back Ralph Irvin. Ralph's been all over the map. I mean, I, know. I, I, I walked in to talk to Sam and Ryan, and I came back, and and, and I was, was sitting house. in your chair, Rich. Yeah, he was sitting in your chair that you're normally in when oh, you're not wow. out somewhere else. Gallivanting uh, around the And I thought States. I thought he wanted to take over the show. I mean, he had that look about him. <laughs> I mean, you did, Ralph. I've known you a long time. Man about to out. Like, Shut up! Move over and let me uh, take over here today. He wants the wheel. That didn't work as well as when I was in my 20s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I would give Steve that look. By the way, we were talking earlier because you're Mr. Golf, uh, and you know that course well, TPC Sawgrass. Mm-hmm. Um, did you buy into what Brandon, 
Randall Chambly was selling that it's a gimmick hole and it has no place in big time golf, the 17th hole yeah. at TBC Sawgrass. Because the postage stamp is not a gimmick hole or the right. uh, hole at North Barrack with a wall in front of it isn't a gimmick hole. I yeah, mean, well, he said it was not a fair hole. It's, 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 it's entirely fair. They play the same hole. Yeah, I know. It, it wasn't, I mean, yesterday if, when if, Justin if, Thomas was sitting there in the extreme win, he shot 69. And he hit a six iron, yeah. 132 yards. Right, exactly. And, and there are players that could have easily done, you know, okay, something maybe you'd laugh at, but they could have laid up to the drop zone, which is the forward tees. Yeah, I mean, Which again, would have been a pitch, and then they would have been able to hit a 100-yard shot. I just loved it when Paul McGinley looked at him and said, what's fair about golf? <laughs> no. well, there's nothing fair about golf. As, golf? as, as a, a colleague in sports media tweeted yeah. out today, um, you could hit the drive of your life and it could roll into a divot. Exactly. There's nothing fair. I don't care if you've only played the game once. You walk away saying this game isn't fair. There's a reason it's a four-letter word. Yes, exactly. A good walk spoiled is what Mark Twain used to call it. A good yes. walk spoiled. Mm-hmm. Golf? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we have one NBA game going on right now. 9-1 to play in the third quarter in Brooklyn. A 69-66 lead over the New York Knicks. Already 29 points for Kevin Durant in this game. He had 27 at the half, 16 coming from Andre Drummond as well. No Kyrie Irving in the lineup, but he is in the building. He's sitting courtside. He can't play by New York City rules, but he can sit courtside without a mask. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. No no one does. No one does. Nobody does. Yeah, it's, it's, no. Uh, college basketball SEC title game. Number nine, Tennessee, pulling away from Texas A&M. Volunteers with a 49-38 lead, 11-40 to play in the second half. In the Atlantic 10, Davidson, a 49-48 lead over the Richmond Spiders. 7-40 to play in the second half there. Yale going to the NCAA tournament for just the sixth time ever. First time since 2019. They beat Princeton 66-64. As we send it back, it is Steve Hartman, it's Rich Hornberger, and it's a Fox Sports Sunday. Uh, very good. By the way, John Paul Morosi is going to be joining us in our next hour. Uh, I think we have him on our show every day now, Rich. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, he's on all the time, but we're going to be talking a little more baseball. As uh, you know, we talk about free agency, it's in full swing right now, Major League Baseball. A lot of big deals uh, on the board, so we're going to get to that uh, a little bit later on. By the way, uh, you know, Ralph was just talking about the uh, Kyrie Irving situation. You know, the mask mandate uh, has been lifted in most states for a long time now. I believe Hawaii now is the last state to lift the mass mandate. But I, I'm always reminded of this. I have a producer of mine uh, at my TV station, and we're no longer required to wear masks at the station. And yet not only does he mask, and he's a young guy, he's a young guy, uh, not only does he mask, he double mask every day. And I never ask him about it, but what I appreciate about it is, is that it's his choice. I don't have a problem with that. I don't question why somebody chooses to wear a mask. I just like the fact that there's a choice now. You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I just, that's a that's a big thing for me. You know, mandates are difficult for me. Freedom of choice is a big part of things. And I respect, I don't ever ask him, why are you wearing a mask? No, I, I respect the fact he wants to wear a mask. Go for it. I just, yeah. 
I, I mean, look, I, there's so many different ways to look at it. To offer the opposing viewpoint just for sake of conversation, look, I mean, there's no choice with stop signs. You know, they're there for public safety, mm-hmm. and you either stop or you don't, and you get a ticket. It's mandated. You you can fight the ticket. You can bring it to court, but it's a mandate that you refuse mm, yeah. to uh, abide by, and so as a result, you're going to pay consequences for it, right? That's that's the initial tone of these mandates. Were public safety were to uh, answer something that we didn't have answers for, um, and and look again, it's it's just I'm proposing the opposing view here. It's um. It, it, it's one of those things that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. It's it's something that there's many people to the point you just made about your buddy at work uh, who still support. Um, but the one thing that I appreciate regardless is consistency. You know, I think consistent messaging or rules or following of rules is good in general. And when consistency is lacking, that's when you get into trouble, you know? So you got 50 different states doing 50 different things in some cases. That's when it gets confusing. And I can tell you that from personal um, uh, experience, and I'm sure many people who have traveled throughout the year uh, feel the same way. Uh, during the college football season, I would land in many different states that had m- different rules. I Sometimes you'd be in a city with a different rule, you know, and you – it, it, uh, that was the part of it that was difficult to navigate was, are we doing the mask or no mask? Like, is it in buildings? Is it outside? Is it always like, you know, and then you tried to, you would ask questions and a lot of people didn't have answers. And so, yeah, that's the part of it that I think is uh, for me personally challenging is the inconsistency, depending on where you are ge- geographically to figure all that out. It's hard to believe. And the one reason I bring it up is, you know, it's two years. I mean, like, in fact, uh, coming up on March 16th here in California, March 16th was the day, and Rich, you and I were doing our afternoon show with our buddy John Schaefer. We came into work Monday, and we were notified that we were going to be on that two-week shutdown. Remember that two-week oh, yeah. shutdown, you know, flatten the curve? And they had asked me to separate from you guys because we can't have three guys in the same studio. Yeah. Uh, they asked me to go up to L.A. for a couple of weeks. They go, you have a house there? I'm like, yeah, you mean where my ex-wife lives? Yeah, sure, I have a house. Uh, no problem, right? No, 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 no. A couple of weeks. I mean, what's got a couple of weeks? I can handle that. Uh, and obviously, it turned out to be much more than that, and we had the cancellation. I mean, really, the first major domino to fall on our sports calendar two years ago was March Madness. Yeah. Like, we oh, were yeah. just like, you're kidding me right you're canceling canceling the ncaa basketball tournament i don't know for you does it seem longer than two years ago does it seem like yesterday i mean for some reason to me it seems like an eternity ago to be Uh, honest with you the perspective of time depending depending on depending on how uh how i view it it can feel like 10 minutes or 10 years yeah you know what i mean like it like i can i can definitely bring myself back emotionally to how that all felt and i'm sure many people can when we first started hearing about you know the virus and what was happening in italy especially the emergency rooms the number of fatalities that they had and then the fact that it was coming here to the united states and this isn't like a situation where there's you know, a physical foreign en- enemy, you mm. know, that that is invading like that. 
I'm not saying that's a comfortable idea, but this was something that can sneak into your home without you knowing. And that was terrifying, that proposition, right? Especially not knowing how. Oh, in the beginning, we had no clue. None. Oh, yeah. Like how 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 deadly this was going to be. So right. that, I can bring myself back there pretty easily. Mm. But, you know, look, two years is a long time. Yeah. You know, it's a short time when you compare it to your whole lifespan. Well, especially my lifespan. <laughs> but it's I a, mean, I've lived many lifespans. I mean, there's my right. human life, my vampire life. I mean, there's that's a right. lot of years there. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, but it is a long time, and we've learned a lot during these past two years, and I hope we continue to learn a lot more, and I hope as a result, like we, we know is happening with, you know, the professional football season that's just passed, the college football season, the college basketball season now that we yep. are, are still underway with mm. in this tournament that we will see in earnest here coming up this March that we just continue to learn more and get better at dealing with all this. All right, a little more than three hours away from the big announcement on the field of 68. We'll continue to update you. Games today, teams that are on the bubble. Who needs a win today to punch their ticket? We'll break it down coming up next. Steve Harbin, Rich Armberger, Fox Sports Saturday. All right. I mean, we got a game going on right now between Davidson and Richmond. And Davidson leading this game 55-53. This is the Atlantic 10 championship game, Rich. And the winner obviously gets the automatic qualifier. Davidson won the regular season. I think the record's 27-6. and Of course, when we think of Davidson, you think of a guy named, oh, I don't know, Steph Curry, uh, who led that Davidson team back in the day all the way to the Elite Eight First time we've sort of introduced to the uh, phenomenon that was Steph Curry. Uh, but if they lose this game, uh, they're not going to get an at-large bid. I, I, I mean, I'm looking at their numbers right now, despite the record of 27-6. and six, They need to win this game. And these are some of the loops that are, you know, a few, few surprises down the finish line where all of a sudden a team gets in. You're like, uh... Okay, we got to make room for this team, and somebody else gets knocked out. I want to ask you about one school in particular that yeah. everyone seems to agree is very much on the bubble right now, and that's Michigan. You know, we had the incident with Juwan Howard, Greg Gard, uh, the Wisconsin coach, and Juwan Howard was suspended uh, for the rest of the regular season. Uh, he came out with multiple apologies, uh, showing absolute remorse that he should not have done what he did. Um, but Michigan's been in a free fall. Do you feel like if it push comes to shove, like you got Michigan and let's say Wyoming or Michigan and, you know, another school for that last slot, do you keep Michigan out because of that incident? I mean, is could that be a, a deciding factor if it really comes down to Michigan and another school for that last at-large spot? Well, personally, I would not. Um, I don't think that should be factored in, not even in the least bit. Um, like a, a team being punished for personal conduct. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's not what this is about. I, I, I understand that what Jawan Howard did was, you know, indefensible. But let, look, let's let's be very honest with each other. 
there was a lot that precipitated that. And while he definitely took it to a level that it should never have gone and he needs to set a better example for his players and be a better representative of his school, I think he showed real contrition on the other side of it. I think that I'm hoping that he learned a lesson from the behavior he chose to uh, to use and, and you move on from that. From a competitive standpoint, though, if that holds you out of the tournament, it means that the people who are making these decisions are doing it wrong because that should never – I mean, if you want to analyze their defense or their offense or their turnover margin or their offensive rebounding or uh, how many dribbles before they score, if you want to get into the absolutely boring minutia of sport and break this down to the granule level and explain to me how Michigan got voted out of that last at-large bid, fine, fine, I'll take that. But if anybody – Anybody leaves a boardroom and said the reason why Michigan's out and another team's in, any team, uh, is it, it came. It really came down to the actions of their head coach uh, during an altercation a month ago. Uh, I'll have a big problem with that. Let me ask you. I want to bring Sam into this again because he is Mister Big Ten basketball here. I mean, I'm seeing bracketologies as many as nine Big Ten schools. Nine Big Ten schools. Yes. Does that sound does that sound ridiculous? I mean, again, I, I get back to this Atlantic Ten championship game between Davidson and Richmond. And and I know you there's a lot of metrics with that we use to determine, you know, which teams have a better resume. You know, I quality losses is always bizarre to me. Like, oh, you got a lot of good losses on your on your resume. And I'm like, yeah, but the losses, like, right? I understand, you know, getting bonus points for really good wins, especially on the road. But I, I, it amazes me when you get quality losses. But do you think that nine teams out of the Big Ten? I don't think it'll be, be nine. I think. Oh, I, I see where you're coming from because you got Rutgers and you got Michigan. Well, you got Michigan. You both got over five hundred in the league, got, but they don't have. They're, they don't have more than two, or they don't have. They've left. Indiana's wins. another team that's sort of Indiana. Right on the edge. They yeah. have twenty wins now. They went deep right. into the, somewhat deep into the uh, tournament. So, the conference tournament. So yeah, I mean, it could. I think it'll be about seven to eight teams. I just feel sorry, Rich. You know, a lot of these. You know, not. I'm, I'm not talking about the smallest conferences where obviously they're only going to get one representative. But like Atlantic Ten, you know, you you win the conference yep. championship. You're the one seed, and then maybe you lose. Now Davidson's winning right now by five. But what if they lose this game by a point? Out? No, I know. I know. Eh, I know. Listen, shouldn't there be a spot for them instead of bringing a ninth Big Ten team into the mix? It's an imperfect system, but I will say this. It is the best representation of a season, of a system for a playoff bracket that we have. Because if you if you look at it, we're arguing over whether or not Davidson gets in over the ninth best right. Big Ten school, right? Mm. That means we're doing something right here because you're talking about the the lowest, lowest branch of this, and you're talking about 68 teams getting in. All right, we got a very busy Sunday going on right now. Three hours away from Selection Sunday and the start of baseball. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. That is Selection Sunday. Big, big day in the sports world. All things are good now. We got baseball, spring training 
uh, underway. Today's the day. We get all the spring training going for the start of the regular season. We'll get a full 162 in. By the way, John Palmarosi, MLB Network, will join us later on in this hour to discuss all the free agents. A lot of guys still have to be signed. It's also week one, the official start of the 2022 NFL season. Wednesday is the official date. Uh, tomorrow will be the day when teams can openly, we know privately they've been doing it, but openly uh, talk to players about free agency, trades, and everything else. So uh, it's a very exciting time. We're trying to get through this Players' Championship. I guess they finally finished the second round. Okay, if we, if we finally finished the second. It's Sunday. This is the last day of a tournament normally. They have finally finished the second round, so they've eliminated half the field, more than half the field with the cuts. Uh, now they're going to get this third round underway, uh, and they hope to have this thing done by tomorrow. No rain, no wind, just freezing weather is what they're facing right now. So, wow, you talk about the myriad of elements Everything Mother Nature can throw at you, they've done to the golfers this week. So we got a lot on our plate right now, Rich. Yeah, we're, we're seeing uh, golfers wear ski caps and things like this in South Florida. It's an odd sight, but well, it's, it's more been... North Florida. Well, yeah, yeah that's a good not, point. Yeah, yeah Jacksonville yeah, is yeah, northern. North Florida. Yeah. But we're seeing, we're seeing a, a variety of different outfits as these golfers have just basically tried to survive the elements. But you mentioned you – mentioned mentioned spring training you mm-hmm. mentioned baseball's back we're yes. gonna get to talk to john paul morosi it's always good to uh you know get get an opportunity to talk to our buddy even when it's within 24 hours of the last <laughs> time we talked to our good which was buddy. 24 hours on the previous time we talked to him so <laughs> that's exactly right yeah um but uh but always good to check in there you know i i had an interesting back and forth with uh, a newsbreaker in major league baseball by the name of john Heyman uh oh, last yeah night and john put out a a tweet that i disagreed with you know i i disagreed with the way he worded it but basically he said look i heard from a small market gm concerned by the big market giants ability to give 44 million dollars over two years to a pitcher uh especially with the luxury tax threshold up to 20 million dollars to 230 million it's going to be hard for the little guy to compete and now this one really rubs me the wrong way because I think we we all get really bogged down with the propaganda that is being fed to us by Major League Baseball, the 30 owners. And it's not every one of these owners. It really isn't because in general, there are, generally speaking, there are owners who will outspend particularly their market size in air quotes. Um, and, you know, look, the San Diego Padres are the recent example of this, but it's happened in the past as well. So I, I quote tweet John and I say, you know, the big line baseball is the small market team. You either have an owner who's committed to spending uh, and improving the roster or you don't. And if you don't, you have to become really creative as a general manager. But the small market thing's a myth, and it's an excuse, to which he responded, right, because baseball payrolls are unrelated to revenue and market size, and everyone has about the same payroll. Well, so here's how I respond to that, and I want your thoughts on this, Steve. So pretend the salary floor in baseball, all of a sudden, today, it got announced on MLB.com. We are now instituting a $125 million salary floor, meaning every team mm-hmm. in order to participate in baseball has to spend at least $125 million in salary. How many of these owners are selling their team? 
How many of these owners are selling their team? How many of these owners are we actually going to believe in Major League Baseball can't afford to spend on their payroll at least to be competitive? I I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. Your thoughts? Well, uh, again, nobody is losing money. Now, it's, it's a fine line how you define losing money. In other words, let's say... Let's say you, whatever, you, you're you making money. Let, let's say you placed a bet, right? Yeah. And you win $100. Or let, let's even, let's take it different. Let's say you're at the uh, blackjack table and you're up $1,000 and you cash out. But the next hand, had you stayed in, you would have won again, right? You could have won $2,000. So were you losing money? No, because you did make money. But you could have made more money. And there's this attitude amongst these so-called smaller market teams that they want to make as much money as they can. By spending money, you'll make less money, but you're still making money. And so this is a relative term. No one is losing money. And the answer of your question is nobody's selling. Nobody's selling. There's no greater investment than being an owner in professional sports. That's why anytime a team's for sale, they're all lined up. Oh, yeah. These are these are insanely successful people in terms of having earned their fortune. Maybe they inherited, but they understand the value of an investment. And going into professional sports is a great way to invest your money because you're not going to lose money. It's just a matter of how much money you want to make. And there are owners, and th- this is something that really has bothered me for years in baseball, where it's not like in football, the NFL, where you have a salary cap and all the national television money is equally divided amongst the franchises. It's not that way in Major League Baseball. You got your regional contracts and everything else. But so much attention is being paid to the top. You know, well, well, if you go over a certain amount, we're going to penalize you with, you know, financial fines. We're going to take draft picks away from you. I'm like, forget those teams. There, you, you talk about the $200 million payroll teams of a year ago. There were three franchises last year in Major League Baseball whose final payroll for 2021 was under $30 million. Under $30 million. It was, It's outrageous. I mean, I'm and, like, and hang on. those are the teams I, I got to want... pay attention to. Not the teams that are spending money. It's the teams that are yes. not spending money that so I that's have a problem the reason, with. That's the reason why I'm talking about not the salary cap or the top, no. the tipping. I'm talking about the floor. I'm talking Thank about you. the minimum spend. I'm yes. talking about the basement dwellers who habitually try to spend less than the, the the it's absurd like 30 million dollars in baseball look i understand that's a lot of money to the everyday you know guy i mean it's a lot of money to me it's a lot of money to you it's a lot of money to everybody 30 million dollars you know to commit back into your business in order to grow your business is a lo- it's a huge commitment however when you read mlb's this is a headline from a good friend of ours who works with forbes he covers sports, the business side of sports with Forbes, Maury Brown. This is the headline. MLB's $4 billion ESPN media rights extension brings the league's total broadcast value to $12 billion, with a B, over seven years. I mean, for clarification, that means annually. Annually, ESPN is going to be paying five hundred. $50 million annually to broadcast games uh, by the Major League Baseball. 
I mean, that is an, an, a staggering amount of money. These ownership groups are going to be guaranteed, you know, over the next seven years between 60 and 100 plus million dollars annually before they spend a single dollar on their players' salaries. Okay, so if you're going to just carry water for the ownership and say, yeah, some of these guys are really just fighting to keep the lights on, you know, they're not sure if they're going to be able to pay the electricity bill. You know, geez, they're over their skis here. It's a myth. It's a lie. It's what they want you to say. It's it's a it, the, the, the argument about uh, market size is a straw man. It's a distraction. It's a distraction from the point that we all don't have access to, which is revenue. How much actual revenue are these Major League Baseball teams making? And if they wanted to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that they really are struggling for cash, they'd open their books. They would show us. They would say, here, look, we got nothing to hide. Let's be transparent about this. The reason why we're paying $30 million in salary is because we frankly can't afford it. Because we truly are. Our margins are truly close. And we're trying to also provide a great fan experience for the fans that attend our games. It's a lie. It's just not true. Well, and we were privy to this in San Diego, where for years and years and years and years and years, the ownership of the Padres had sold the idea that we just don't have the money. You know, I, I remember when Adrian Gonzalez, you know, had suddenly emerged as an all-star with the Padres. Bye-bye. Went to Boston, eventually with the Dodgers. We just can't hang on to these guys. But then new ownership came in, Peter Seiler being the, the main culprit here in terms of, no, we got money. And the next thing you know, they had a $144 million contract to Eric Hosmer, mistake. But then the day that they signed Manny Machado, $300 million contract, you're like, what? $300 million? Padres? Padres, $300 million? Then they hand Fernando Tatis Jr. a $340 million 14-year extension. Where's all this money coming from? There were days when they have that beautiful ballpark in San Diego, Petco. There's nobody there. 10,000 fans, 12,000 fans. So where is all this money coming from? But the fact is, is that they were the ones that exposed the myth about the small market team. And a lot of owners weren't happy about it. They're like, what are you doing? Stop it. Don't do that. Padres had the fourth highest payroll in all of Major League Baseball last year. So, yeah, the whole thing's been exposed. Just keep in mind, not counting, of course, 2020. Baseball revenue has gone up 15 straight years, and yet payroll went down four straight years yeah. in full seasons. Yeah. So if you're the players, you're like, I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on a second here. What? How's that possible? How's and, revenue and look, going up and the numbers overall on payroll are going down? Those And those are just the numbers we have access to, right? right? Yeah. We have no idea what the individual market deals look like with local providers. We don't, under, we don't know how much these owners are making at the concession stands, what they're making at gate revenue. We can guess. And those numbers are absurd and high as well. You have no idea how much they get uh, uh, for local sponsorship opportunities. And again, those are the places in the arguments where market size actually does affect how much revenue you can bring in. But without access to that information, how can anybody argue that baseball teams' revenues are so low that they can't afford to to pay players at a competitive level in this league? Look, there's not a single NFL team after the salary floor was instituted. You have to spend a certain uh, percentage of the cap in order to, to stay viable in the NFL. Otherwise, you 
you're going to be fined and penalized for it. So all these teams have to pay a certain amount of money in in salary at a minimum, and then obviously they'll be punished for going over the cap, right? There's not a single NFL owner when that salary floor was instituted that went, geez, you know what? Based on this market size, we here in Green Bay, we can no longer afford to do this. You know, nobody was sitting there going, you know, geez, based on market size, we here in Jacksonville, we can no longer do this. No, everybody was okay with it because guess what? They're making money hand over fist. I know baseball is a different sport. I know they're not as profitable as the NFL, but they're insanely profitable still. It's a ridiculously profitable corporate uh, franchise. And and so I, I don't. I don't understand that argument. I never will. All right. A lot of changes in baseball coming up. Uh, and I I want to express my thoughts on something that was taken away, not just recently, but years ago, that I really, really miss about Major League Baseball. I'll share it with you coming up next. Steve Harbin, Rich Armberger. This is Fox Sports Sunday, brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas. The greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Well, it happened. Richmond just knocked out Davidson and won the big Atlantic 10 championship game, meaning Richmond, a team that was definitely not in the tournament, is now the automatic qualifier. And Davidson is a bubble team. And Richmond was a six seed. This is yeah. a pretty impressive upset. Yeah, this is, and Davidson seemingly was in control late, but they lost this game. So there you got Davidson, 27-win team, number one seed, regular season champions in the Atlantic 10, and now they got to hold their breath whether or not they're going to get an at-large bid. I've been already sort of scouring uh, social media here. A lot of people are like, yeah. They are right on the bubble, uh, and I, you know, like again, I, I know the Atlantic Ten doesn't play the biggest schedule out there, but like I said, I remember Davidson uh, as a uh, champion with a guy named Steph Curry made it all the way to the Elite Eight not that long ago. So we'll see what the fate is of Davidson out there. Uh, we mentioned John Pomerosi is going to be joining us a little bit later on this hour. Our MLB Network friend, um, I wanted to throw something at you because uh, one of the changes that we are going to see in baseball in 2022 is the universal DH. Yep. After all these years, the DH was introduced in the American League in 1973. Amazing. Almost 50 years ago. And now, after all these years, the National League is going to introduce the DH and pitchers no longer will hit Unless, of course, you're Shohei Otani, and then you do hit, uh, which is is still an option. Remember that whole thing about, well, what do you do with a Shohei Otani? You let him hit, because obviously he's one of the best hitters in baseball, but obviously a unique situation. Here's the one thing I missed the most. And again, I'm from a different generation of baseball than, you know, your generation, Rich, and, you know, anybody that, you know, basically grew up in the 90s, let's say, as a young person, because you've only seen one aspect of baseball. But... There was a time, certainly when I was a kid growing up, where you had two separate leagues, completely separate, the National League and the American League. Each league had their own league office. Each league had their own umpires. The only interaction ever between the National League and the American League was the All-Star Game and the World Series. That was it. 
Hmm. And the one thing I really enjoy, and that's why when the American League introduced the DH back in 1973, I thought, that's fine. The American League does their things their way, and the National League does their things their way. I remember when the NFL, the NFL and AFL merged in the mid-60s. When there was, you know, battle of players and everything else and the aggressive Al Davis took over as the commissioner of the AFL. He wanted to keep the league separate. Separate. I mean, if you go back to those first four Super Bowls, they were unique because they were two different leagues. It was like seeing them on the same field just seemed weird because they're not even in the same league. I don't know. There was something magical about that. Now, those days are long gone, obviously. Everything's merged together. Interleague play, which I've never been a fan of. Rivalries are not based on geography. They're based on history. And I just, I I, I wish there was a separation of leagues. I thought it was great. I thought it was special. You sort of chose, I'm a National League guy. I'm an American League guy. Well, the reason why you don't like interleague special play about is- that is because of the fact that when you have an American League team uh, trying to form fit their the way their roster is calibrated to playing in a National League ballpark, it doesn't work. It gives a National League team a distinct advantage. And so, I mean, look, I, I get what you're saying. I totally understand your point of view, and I think it's shared by a lot of people. But most people, honestly, most people, when they're introduced to a sport – they want and really appreciate consistency and the things that people typically like. And we're learning this via the uh, viewership analytics that we have privy to is more offense. And that's the reason why you're seeing uh, basketball be officiated the way it is at the NBA level and frankly at the college level now. It's the reason why the rule changes around the NFL are protecting offensive players. It's not giving defensives advantages to have pass interference called on the majority of these deep throws. I mean, I'm over-exaggerating to prove the point, but protecting the receivers the way they do over the middle or protecting the quarterbacks the way they do. That's not to the defensive's advantage. That's to the offensive's advantage. And so is the designated hitter. And baseball for a long time, at least in the American, American League, They've benefited from roster construction around the designated hitter and suffered every time one of these AL teams play an NL team. Look, I get it. Um, Baseball used to be charming. It used to be a sport where you didn't know what it would look like if these two uh, leagues played against each other. But we're long beyond those times. All right. The, the world, we have access to anything going on in the world at all times. So having these teams play each other out of league all season long, it makes sense now because the world's changed. It's a good thing. Baseball needs to do a better job keeping up with the times. Uh, and, and the designated hitter, the fact that it's taken, what, 50 years for it to spread to the National League is ridiculous. It's an, it's an example of how slow baseball has been and how avoidant baseball has been to change and changes for the betterment of the sport, the betterment of the viewing aspect of the sport. And it, if, if they had been maybe a little bit more um, amendable, in the past, maybe it would still be atop the heap. But the NFL passed them because they're willing to change. They're willing to make the sport better with small changes. Some some of them work. Some of them work. Some of them don't. And the ones that don't, they obviously get away from. Well, again, for those of us that do remember the separation of leagues, this was it. 
This was the last chip. The last separation of the two leagues was the DH in the American League and no DH in the National League. Uh, there's a lot of baseball purists that talk about the entire strategy of the game changes. And not necessarily for the better. It was far more challenging to be a manager in the National League to navigate the entire situation with your pitcher hitting in that nine slot. What do you do with them? I mean, you got to lay down a bunch. You got to learn how to do certain sacrifices if you don't have a good hitting pitcher. Uh, and there was a lot of strategy involved that was just not there in the American League. We can just pull a guy because he's not hitting anyway, you know, as far as double switches and everything else. So there's a certain element of the game that now has officially been eliminated. And you say for the better. I'll tell you what, on the other side, I'll be anxious to see if John Pomerosi uh, thinks it's all for the better. But first, let's find out what's trending right now. And once again, a guy keeping an eye on everything related to the madness out there is Mr. Ralph Irvin. Well, you mentioned some of that madness, Steve. In the Atlantic 10, Richmond surprises Davidson, wins the Atlantic 10 tournament 64-62. The Spiders will make their ninth NCAA tournament appearance and their first since 2011. So that's 11 years for those that are mathematically challenged. Number nine, Tennessee takes the SEC championship 65-50 over Texas A&M. The 24th tournament appearance for the Volunteers and their fourth in a row. Right now on the hardwood, there is one game going on. That is the American Conference, number 18, Houston, taking on Memphis. And it's the Tigers with a 5-4 lead, just uh, 4-15 into that contest. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, it'll be the Big Ten Championship as number 9, Purdue, takes on number 24, Iowa. In the NBA, 6.5 seconds left to play. Brooklyn with a 106-105 lead over the New York Knicks. And Kevin Durant has just been fouled. It's a good thing because he's sitting on 49 points, 9 assists in this contest. Four nets and double figures. Andre Drummond has 18 points and 10 assists. Also going on in Detroit, the Pistons, a 19-10 lead over the LA Clippers, 201 to play in the first half of that contest. One real quick back to college basketball. Glenn Gilbo from Outkick.com is the one reporting that Ben Howland will be fired at Mississippi State. Two people told him that he's fired immediately. One said it would be after a potential NIT bid. Mississippi State released a statement saying Ben Howland has not been fired. And if we receive an NIT bid, he'll be coaching us. All right, so uh, but didn't yeah, say yeah. that he wouldn't be not that he would not be coaching them in the future after a potential NIT bid. This is hmm. all I'll say about Ben Hallen because I've known Ben a long time. I worked with uh, him. He's a he's a, he's a great coach. I think he's an outstanding coach. He's did a good job at Mississippi State. He's been there what seven years. I mean, he's done a really good job there. But he has the kind of personality when things are not going right where you're like, <clears throat> okay, uh, time to move on, Ben. He's just that kind of a guy, you know? So, uh, all right, well, we'll see what the real story is out of Mississippi State mm-hmm. shortly. Uh, Ralph, thank you very much yep. once again. By the way, hiring, heating up, indeed. Hiring platform makes it easy to track, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Well, joining us right now for, I believe, the 35th consecutive day, uh, it seems like, which is good. We could every day, right, Rich? we got to bring them on yeah. from the MLB Network, our Fox Sports Radio 
MLB insider, the great John Palmarosi. I don't mind every JP every day you joining us. I mean, that's if it's okay with you. I am thrilled, my friends. We are making up for lost time, that long 99-day wait during the MLB lockout. It is over, my friends. Spring training begins roundly all around the country here today. Pitchers, catchers, and everybody else reporting workouts have begun. We're a few days away from spring training games. Baseball is back. All right. Now, Rich and I got into conversation. I want to get to your uh, thoughts on this about the DH being eliminated 100% after 50 years of division between the leagues. This is the last link to the days when the leagues were separate, JP. I grew up in that era. I mean, I, I go back before they were even divisions. I mean, that's how far back I go with Major League Baseball. But there was something to me special about the clear division between the American League and the National League. And that the only time we ever saw any hint of a matchup was either in the World Series or the All-Star Game. Separate league offices, separate umpire crews, separate everything. The DH was the last difference between these two leagues, and now it's been eliminated uh, for good. Get your thoughts on that. It's For a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, Steve, it is a little bittersweet. I, I do think it moves the game forward. Uh, it, it puts a better product on the field, I believe, from a standpoint of having that player like Nelson Cruz who can be a Dodger or be a Padre, as you see the reports from my colleague Mark Feinstein about some of the teams that are most interested in Nelson right now. Uh, you think about Albert Pujols going back to St. Louis potentially as a DH. I, I think keeping people like Nelson and Albert in the game longer and giving them more places to play is a good thing. I think that is a uh, a positive sign for baseball and also for for what it portends for the future where if you get expansion to 32 teams you could have eight divisions of four teams and and really standardize and and dramatically realign the sport geographically where where you could have the Dodgers and Padres and Angels all in the same division, Yankees and Mets and Phillies all in the same division. Those types of scenarios become possible uh, once you standardize the DH and and just, I I think, put a a better product offensively on the field. That being said, will I miss those moments late in the game where you have to make a decision about if you're going to hit for your pitcher or not? Of course. Will I miss uh, one of my favorite National League traditions of the the pitcher hitting in the eighth inning and and the crowd giving him a standing ovation in St. Louis because he's going to go back and try to finish out the top of the ninth. You know, th- those moments have always given me the, the goosebumps watching them unfold in a National League park. And so uh, to me, I, I'm going to miss those moments, but I, I also think that it's it's moving the sport forward and also protecting the, the, the pitchers because th- there's so much invested in them now. Uh, keeping them healthy has become such a unique task for these teams. The last thing that you want to see is, is a pitcher taking a hit-by-pitch off the elbow or, or jamming a finger, sliding into second base. It's just you want to see the best players doing what they do better than anybody in the world, and I think ultimately uh, the Universal DH preserves that ability. Yeah, I agree with the change. I, I do agree with you there's magic that can happen, but oftentimes, per the odds, per the probabilities, you know, the magic – doesn't you know oftentimes we see the pitcher as an easy out and it's uh it's the way most of those matchups between starting pitcher relief pitcher and pitcher posing as batter 
um, you know, end up. And and so I think it's a change for the better. I do agree there's some bittersweet to it. I'm not so uh, in favor of change to not admit that. But I also just view baseball, though, as being a little transfixed or rigid when it comes to rule changes. And it feels, at least in concept, after this new collective bargaining agreement was reached, they're going to change that as well because all of a sudden there's this 45-day grace period where Major League Baseball has to give players warning before rule changes. And in 2023 specifically, there's three rule changes, including robot umps, um, um, pitch clock, and, and also banning the shift that could really improve the pace of the game. What are your thoughts on just in general – now Major League Baseball's new idea around these changes that can be made in the process in which they have to go to, and some of the changes we may see in the very near future. I love it, Rich. And one of the key parts of that is that, that committee that is going to be studying those possible changes and could implement them will include four active players. And that's crucial for buy-in. I, I really believe that the, the conclusions reached by this committee certainly are important. But how they get there will be crucial to the game's future and the buy-in between the parties. Well, we saw a very contentious, very lengthy negotiation, of course, as we all know, leading up to the CBA. And in my view, the collaboration, the positivity, the mutual respect, those ideas are going to be pivotal for the game to move forward uh, now into the future and, and find a way to, to, to keep people on the same page because we can have changes and we can have uh, updates to the rules, but if you have uh, a lack of compliance or a lack of buy-in or, or constant criticisms coming from the players, it's not going to be for the betterment of baseball. There's going to be a, a constant tension there. So anything to me, Rich, that – that both increases some, some new awareness and style to the game and, and improves the pace, as you alluded to, is great. But for it to be truly great and truly effective, the player buy-in is paramount, and that's why I'm really encouraged that we'll have four active players on that committee that is going to be recommending those playing changes here in the years to come. All right, I have a lot of questions about pitching because no aspect of the game has changed more than pitching. I remember uh, Andy Green when he was the manager of the Padres suggesting before season, maybe about four or five years ago, Rich, where you know we, we may go to mm -hmm. the point where we, we have guys that are not starters, they're like openers. And like, opener what? What do you mean? Like, like pitch an inning? And I thought, that doesn't even make <laughs> sense. I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, it's going to tax your bullpen to and now this is commonplace around Major League Baseball. A couple of questions here. What do you see as the next evolution as far as pitchers are concerned? And two, are they going to be testing pitchers all season long like they did last year for that spider tack, or is that off the books? That's a great question. I, I do think that the, the spider tack and, and the, the sticky stuff checking will continue. And there certainly were pitchers who were more affected than others by that enforcement last season. It's a really interesting observation on your part. I, I, I'll also take a step back, Steve, and say this. For all the focus and, and concentration on, on having great openers and great versatile pitchers, there's a reason why the Dodgers and Padres were competing so much to get Max Scherzer 
a year ago at the deadline. There's a reason why he was so handsomely uh, compensated from the Mets this winter, is that if everybody is moving in the direction of being an opener or shorter bursts, if anything, it makes those who truly stand out the way that Max does or a Jacob deGrom when healthy, uh, those pitchers are more reliable and more important and more valuable than ever. So I, I think that you look around the game and, and ask yourself, who are those that can step apart from this zeitgeist of the, the smaller uh, bursts of, of pitching and, and be the true workhorses and throw 200 innings or thereabouts. I also know Marcus Stroman is another man who has done that before in his career. The Cubs got Marcus this offseason, I think, very wisely. He's someone that can really build a lot of innings. So for me, Steve, I look at it and say the pitching continues to change and evolve, but the ability of of the truly exceptional pitchers to to hit those innings thresholds and and really give their team incredible reliability is I think they're more valuable than ever because we talk a lot about the Rays and admittedly they had a lot of success with with the opener strategy years ago. But the reason why it was successful is that Blake Snell was pitching like a Cy Young every fifth day. And if Blake Snell wasn't Blake Snell, the whole plan falls apart. And you, and you saw even last year in the playoffs when they got to the one, um, the, the one point in the first round mm-hmm. where they didn't have enough pitching depth against Boston. And when one game went haywire, game two with Shane Boz on the mound, everything crumbled because there was no Blake Snell waiting to pitch game three any longer. That's, that's what makes it work. You, you can take this very avant-garde approach, but unless you have somebody to soak up those innings, the plan will not work, at least at the level of winning a championship. I had a reaction to a report about a quote-unquote small market general manager uh, complaining to one of these newsbreakers in Major League Baseball about how now with the increase of the CBT threshold, the, the up to 20, 20, $230 million, up $20 million from before the collective bargaining agreement was reached, um, it is becoming more and more impossible for these quote-unquote small market general managers to do their job effectively. I, I, I really do look at that as an excuse. You know, just understanding how large these these television broadcasting contracts are and how they're shared amongst Major League Baseball o- owners and not having any access to their books or what type of revenue they make, it feels like a straw man argument, this idea of a small market owner struggling, especially with examples like uh, the Padres of recent note and others from the past. What is your thought process about that? And do you think at any point a salary floor will be instituted to make more fair and balanced competitive rosters across this league? Well, Rich, it's a fair question. And, and it is actually interesting that MLB at one point in time proposed a salary floor, right. but tied it to also a salary cap or at least a more punitive and lower CBT threshold with higher penalties that made it an unappealing option for the players and the players turned it down. I think as long as you do not have a floor or a cap, you're going to continue to have teams way over the spectrum in different spots based on their own preferences and their own willingness or or eagerness to pay. And uh, right now, it has been a market-based system for baseball without having a salary cap and salary floor. We'll see how much longer it, it persists. I think, if anything, the players say, listen, 
we don't want the floor. What we want is, and, and certainly if, if the floor is going, to, is going to be in tandem with a CBT threshold of 180, let's say, because they'll say, wait a minute, I don't want, if I had to choose between one of these two things, I don't want to worry about the Pirates hitting the floor. I want Steve Cohen to feel like he can spend whatever he wants to spend in New York. And I want uh, the, the Mark Walter and the Guggenheim group to do the same thing in L.A. We want the Steinbrenners to do the same thing in, in New York. That's, I, I, they've basically decided that they want the top end to be as uh, the, the, the less punitive that it could be to, to allow those higher payroll teams and higher revenue teams to spend as much as possible. And, and as to your point about a, a small market GM saying that, a couple things stand out. Number one, it is true objectively that they're going to get less in revenue sharing because teams are going to violate the thresholds by a lesser amount and be penalized less under the current agreement than they were in, under the previous one. Uh, but it's also, to your point, a choice. You don't have to choose to to basically spend on free agents. The Rays often don't, and we see how successful they've been. So you can, you can try to mimic the Rays if you want and just say we're going to be a small market team, draft and develop, make smart moves, and that's who we are. Um, the Rays clearly make it work without spending that amount of money. And also, if, if you feel like as a GM that you, you need your, your ownership to step up and spend some more money, th- there are different ways for you to allocate your payroll and, and adjust the way your roster is structured. And ultimately, though, it's up to the owner. There's, there's no rule that says that, that uh, as an owner that, that obviously you have to spend a certain amount of money or not, but it also, we have seen it before, help teams immeasurably, the Dodgers being one of them. They don't win the World Series in 2020 without Mookie Betts. That was an obvious ownership investment, and, and it's a competitive business. So uh, until there's a, a mandate, and I don't really see one happening soon, it's up to each individual owner about how they are going to approach things, and then it's up to the fans whether or not they wish to uh, support and approve of the way that the owner is handling and being a steward of each individual franchise. JP, we're up against it, man, but we always appreciate time with you, and we always appreciate you never hesitating to jump on with us. We always love it. Thanks, JP. I love it. It's a, it's a great part of my weekend, my friends. Every time we're, we're back into it and happy selection Sunday my uh, I know you're you're on uh, beta breath with your Michigan Wolverines uh, I say his Michigan Wolverines he went to Harvard but he's a Michigan fan <laughs> uh, JP good luck with your uh, Wolverines making the tournament John Palmarosi joining us there all right we got a full update what's the latest two more games before selection Sunday happens coming up next Ah, Fox Sports Sunday Harbin and Orenberger they are playing basketball two games left In action right now, the AAC championship game between Houston and Memphis and the Big Ten championship between Iowa Sam's Hawkeyes and Purdue. By the way, if cold candidate calls aren't turning hiring leads, you need Indeed because Indeed's a powerful hiring platform, makes it easier to track, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next great hire visiting Indeed.com slash credit. Um by the way, if you're uh, John Paul Morosi, you're a little on edge. Uh, he is a diehard Wolverine, but he slummed and went to Harvard. Okay? Oh, I know. I mean, he is I a know. Michigan guy to the core, right? But who, he, he who went to Harvard. Who chooses Cambridge over Ann Arbor? Exactly. So he had a slum. So Yale upsets Princeton today to win the Ivy League. So oh, they no. get the. That's not good if you're a Harvard guy. And then his Wolverines are on the bubble. 
Um, so we're going to get to all the latest on the March Madness a little more than an hour away from finding out the field is 68. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We are literally coming down the stretch before we find out which 68 schools are going to punch their ticket for the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Ormberger. We're brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas. Your home for live sports, and that means all sports. Every game, match, race, and competition. It is always on. Now go on. Plan your trip to visit LasVegas.com. See the best and brightest in Vegas the greatest arena on earth. By the way, that's a great place to go to watch the tournament. If you go to Vegas, and I've done this, especially the first weekend, Rich, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, you're at any one of the many sports books throughout Vegas, right? Got a little action on the games. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and you got, you know, Thursday and Friday, 16 games on Thursday, 16 games on Friday. We talked about this yesterday. The, all businesses need to shut down. I mean, can we can we get to the point? Stop trying to believe that not everybody in the world is looking at their brackets on Thursday and Friday. Okay, don't don't pretend that you're going to get some kind of productive workday done on those two days. It's just not going to happen. The whole country shuts down for the first two full days of the NCAA tournament. And by the you know by by Saturday, you know some people are like, ah, I made a mess of my brackets. They throw them away. But forget it. Those first two days, no, we're all locked in. I one time was in Vegas for a bachelor party for March Madness, and I thought it was one of the best places oh. to host oh. a, a gathering of, and I mean, especially the group I was with, just sports obsessed. Yes. You know, it was just a bunch of dudes out there sitting around eating chicken wings, mm. you know, placing bets oh. in a large sports book mm. and just enjoying ourselves. And and frankly, that's an experience that everybody can share. You know, I mean, the, the brackets, <clears throat> even if it's just a bet between you and a coworker. Yeah. You know, even if it's just, I mean, shoot, if it's just to see if you could get it right yourself for you, it's just fun to have something so easy, so um, mindless, you know, just guess, yeah, just your best guess. It's kind of like those, um, those Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl point grid systems where you're literally just, I don't know, three, nine, it doesn't matter. You know, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. At the end of the day, though, it makes it more entertaining if you do love sports, if you do enjoy the, the storylines and the narratives that emerge in March. Um, it, it just connects you closer to it. I cannot wait until these final few championship games are in the books and we're heading toward the seeding and we could even start cracking open our our ballpoint pins and printing out our brackets here in the coming hours. I'm watching this uh, AAC championship game between Memphis and Houston. Houston, of course, a Final Four team a year ago. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm looking at Kelvin Sampson, right? The Houston coach. He's had a great coaching career. 
He also was banned from college basketball for five years. Yeah, that's right. You remember the fallout with the Eric Gordon recruitment situation at Indiana, and they got that show cause thing. I, I, schools could have hired him, but you know they would have been you know penalized heavily. So he was in exile. He was in the NBA for like six years, and finally Houston decided to give him another opportunity. They have not regretted that decision. He's done a great job with the Cougars. And then on the other bench, we talked yesterday about Larry Brown still hanging around. He's been busted a couple of times for violations in his coaching career. I'm just wondering, are those days behind us? Because like when you look at the history of the NCAA tournament, you're going to see a lot of vacants. The worst, of course, was Louisville in 2013. The only team to win the NCAA tournament where it doesn't actually show them winning it anymore. Vacant. Uh, with violations against Rick Patino and the program, but with you know name, image, likeness, I don't know. Are we are we past that now? Because to me, I've never taken any of that seriously. I'll put an example: when I was sports editor, the Daily Bruin, Larry Brown, nineteen eighty. If you look at the official NCA record books, doesn't show us vacant. Yeah. Um, I know we were there because I was there. Okay, I know, <laughs> I know we were there. I can guarantee you. I have, yeah, I have proof that we were actually there. I would hope seriously, you know, like Jim Beheim, they banned like two hundred wins off his record for whatever. I mean, what, what what was a violation then is not a violation now because right. of the name, image, and likeness, and sort of sweetening the pot. But especially in basketball, I just, I hope they go back in the record books and say, you know what, it was stupid penalizing teams from three years or five years before and vacating like they were never there. Look at uh, Calipari. He went to the Final Four with UMass. He went to the Final Four at Memphis. No record of it. Vacant. Bacon. Yeah, I, I listen. Here's while I think the punishment is a little foolish and and doesn't really accomplish anything because, like you said, you know what we're 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 supposed to act as if those accomplishments never occurred. Uh, I I don't I don't I don't like the idea of going back and saying like, hey, you know, because the rules have changed now, um, we have to change everything that's happened in the past. You know, I mean, look, history is what history is. And mistakes were obviously made from the standpoint of discipline, but also from the standpoint of breaking rules that were fully well known. You know what I mean? In a lot of these cases, we're not talking about innocent parties here. We're talking about people who were aware that some sort of corruption was taking place at varying times in the history of college football. So while I do agree with you that I think the punishment is a little silly and, and really doesn't accomplish much, oh, like, oh, we're going to take away. You can't hang a banner in your gym. It's like, yeah, okay, well, whether we hang the banner or not, we know where we were during that march, you know. So while I do think the discipline is silly, I, I also think like if you don't if you don't have a body, a regulatory body that oversees sport and decides, you know, what lines are out of bounds and what lines are inbounds and decides what constitutes a foul and what constitutes a non-foul or, you know. Uh, you know, or in the grander sense, like we're talking about, what requires discipline because you stepped out of line from a recruitment standpoint or what doesn't? Well, then you don't have sports. Sports is all about rules and it's about what you do with those rules. So look, sometimes you get caught. Sometimes you don't. 
Sometimes you get disciplined, and sometimes it's harsh, sometimes less so. That's sports. So I I don't really have any problem with what's happened in the past, but as we march forward, these rules changing, it's it's for the benefit of sports. I I, I give an example. Now, you know, we've been talking about the legacy of John Wooden versus the legacy of Coach K, right? And if you're a Wooden proponent, you do the Michael Jordan thing. Wooden won 10 championships. He was 10 for 10 in championship games. Just think about that. 10 for 10. Coach K was 5 and 4 in championship games. That's a good record, right? He went to nine championship games. He won five. But there was also this idea of these vacated and money exchanging hands. And I bring this up with all due respect to the great John Wooden. Uh, And that was the name of Sam Gilbert, who was this big UCLA booster back in the day. And he was handing out money. And everyone knew about it. But he was protected. And it was interesting because in 1980, when Larry Brown took over and got this surprise one for UCLA to get to the championship game, that team ended up having to vacate their slot because it was found out that that same Sam Gilbert, still around in those days, much to the chagrin of Larry Brown, had actually given money to a couple players. So they had to vacate. So that team was vacated, but none of the wooden years were vacated because there was protection. So I I just, this whole thing about exchanging money, and I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying, hey, it should be an open field, rules are rules, and everyone knows the rules, and you have to adhere to the rules. But it does rewrite history. I mean, for instance, 2008, Kansas won the championship against nobody. I mean, there's there, there, there there's a, there's actually a semifinal game that is vacant vacant beat vacant in the NCAA. That's actually what it says in a Final Four game in 1971 because both schools later had violations. So if you look at the official record book, it says vacant beat vacant, and then the vacant <laughs> team lost to UCLA in the championship. I mean, it's it's absurd. Oh, it's very. I silly. mean, look what happened to it's Joe Pa. Your guy, but- Joe Pa. He had he had wins taken away from him. And well, then they, and they were, were reinstated. Re- yeah. Look again. It's a silly. It's a silly idea. It's so stupid. To, it's a silly idea to take away wins when they happened, or yes, losses, or, right. or 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 championships, or whatever. USC football against Texas. That game never happened. Or or to pretend that somebody didn't win a Heisman. Right. Look, I understand it. Maybe later in life somebody did something that you deemed completely unworthy for the caliber of your award, mm-hmm. but it does doesn't take away the fact that they won it. Maybe right. somebody accepted offers from a university that diminished um, their legacy and standing in college football, but it doesn't mean they didn't win the Heisman. They did. Mm-hmm. Look, it, it's just it's a fact of the matter. History is history, uh, and it's in the past for a reason because as you move forward and you learn things, you change accordingly. And so, like, this idea of going back and retroactively stripping oh. accomplishments I understand it. The Astros cheated, right? Yeah. Perfect example. The Astros cheated. And they may have beat the Dodgers unfairly. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But but here's what I do know. I do know they won the two the 2017 World Series. And so for anybody who was saying, well, that should be they should have to give the World Series trophy back. It's like, well, what does that accomplish? It doesn't. They and won here's it. the thing. Here's the thing. They <laughs> did win it, but it's always going to be tarnished. This is the same thing about the steroid guys in baseball, right? They did what they did. 
Now, you can always look back and say, I mean, okay, but they cheated to do it. That's going to be part of their legacy, but it happened, okay? Right. And so th- these are the things that just drive me nuts, but especially with the NCAA basketball tournament because, again, you go down the list, there's vacancies, all like nothing ever happened. I'm like, come on. I mean, it just it's a joke. You know, what? what you're not going to undo history. All right. On the other side, I want to get back to a little NFL football because if you haven't checked, this is it. This is the the start of the NFL season. We talked a lot about uh, players and quarterbacks and everything else. I want to talk a little more about where the economics are going with the NFL and whether is there no limit to where this league can go. We got an update coming up next. Steve Harbin and Rich Armour here, Fox Sports Sunday. I was just talking to our buddy Aaron Torres. is going to take over after our show here on Fox Sports Radio about some of the bubble teams. Bubble teams. And uh, one team, he says, could get screwed with that Richmond win today over Davidson. Uh, could be Wyoming, Rich, out of the Mountain West. And he says it's unfair because if you look at uh, Wyoming, they got nine quad one wins as opposed to, let's say, Notre Dame out of the ACC has four. But it's ACC versus Mountain West. So uh, nothing fair, nothing fair, but that's okay. We'll see how it all plays out when they announce the field. Um, I want to take a little detour, talk a little NFL right now. Uh, Rich and I and I hear you got a little insight. You know, we even talk about quarterbacks and everything else, and what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Is Baker Mayfield going to be on the trade block? Derek Carr, uh, Kirk Cousins, other veteran quarterbacks. But there is one guy that's still sort of out there, right? I mean, his name—I don't know if you heard him, Tom Brady. Oh yeah, uh, he was second in the MVP voting in 2021. Second team All NFL career highs in attempts, yards, and completions over his amazing 22-year career, retired, right? Now, he's retired. He is. Is he retired? Do we have some insight? What? (laughs) Something new. So what's really interesting about um, what's gone on with Brady the past 24 hours is he elected to go see a soccer game, Mm -hmm. uh, a soccer match. Apologies. Yes. And this soccer match was um, a Manchester United match. Ah. And, you know, the interesting thing about this soccer match is Manchester United is owned by the same family that owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it's, um, it's not lost on me, the fact that if Brady wants to continue playing, he's going to have to come out of retirement. And if he wants to play for the Bucks, no problem there. But if he doesn't, he's going to have to officially ask the Bucks to trade him. Now, if you're Tom Brady and maybe you didn't see eye to eye with Bruce Arians or Byron Leftwich during your time there, who's left to talk to? The general manager, sure. But certainly there's one person or people uh, who you can speak to who are going to hold all the cards. That's people at the top of the ladder. The very tippy top rung of that ladder is the ownership. And we know that Brady had a close relationship with Robert Kraft during his time in New England. I'm sure he's hit it off with the Glazers. And the fact that he showed up at this Manchester United game wasn't the only clue that we had that he may not be done. 
and may want to be elsewhere in 2022. Also, the fact that he had a conversation on the field with Cristiano Ronaldo, and he posted it to his Instagram stories. And you can't hear what's being said, but it is from um, you know our Twitter sleuths out there that have read the lips of Cristiano uh, Ronaldo asking him, so you're finished, right? And he grimaces. He makes this face where he's like, and then he says something like probably or maybe not or possibly. You can't really make out what he says. But the one thing you do know is he didn't say the word no. Which So now if you go to Twitter, you're going to see this video. It's going viral right now. It's it just feels like we are entering the next chapter of the NFL quarterback pandemonium that Tom Brady is going to be back maybe at the top of the conversation. I understand Deshaun Watson is a younger man. He's a supremely talented quarterback. And wherever he goes in trade is going to be automatically made a much better football team. But Tom Brady doesn't suck. You just mentioned it. He was second place in the MVP voting a year ago. Yeah. If there is an NFL team out there who is interested in having a player come in and automatically make them a better football team and take them to that next level, you know that Tom Brady's name is going to be at the top of their list, even though it's for potentially only one year. By the way, you mentioned Ronaldo. There's no other athlete on this planet that's been more scrutinized by the makeover than Tom Brady, than Ronaldo. I mean, it's unbelievable. The before and after pictures, just like with Tom Brady, how he looked when he first came in the league and how he physically looks now, that's Ronaldo. I mean, it's, it's he has had so much work done over the years to literally have a perfect look, like Tom Brady. Tom Brady looks perfect. And you're like, how did he go from that to that? Um, and Ronaldo's the same guy. Uh, and by the way, Ronaldo had a hat trick yesterday for Manchester United. He's, you know, 37, which in soccer years is like 100, uh, and still playing at a very high level. So it's interesting that Ronaldo would have that conversation, Tom Brady, because they're the same person. Okay. Right. Well, whatever secrets they have, to show, I mean, look at the before and afters on Ronaldo. <laughs> we talk about Brady, forget it. Ronaldo's a whole different level. Crazy stuff. Um, look, I, I don't believe for a second that if Tom Brady feels – that he has the perfect situation to return to the NFL, that he will. All the things that he's got with TB12 and all that can hold on for another year. Tom Brady believes, obviously, he can still play at a high level, and he proved it a year ago. And there's been no drop-off in his game. No, and so, really I mean, he can he can play as long as he wants. And, and again, when we talked about guys at the end of their careers, like a Drew Brees or a Brett Favre or a Peyton Manning, it was obvious the arm was gone. His arm's not gone. Nope. He can still make all the throws. He can still do everything he did five, ten years ago and do it at the highest level. So I, I'm not closing the door. But, again, I go back to what Bruce Arians said when he was pressed about, you know, would you trade Tom Brady? He goes, sure, for five number ones. He's the GOAT. What am I going to do? You're asking me to trade the GOAT? No, five number ones. I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of control Brady has over that. No, I get it. I and and you know, again, going back to the fact that he showed up to this Manchester United game. Uh, if 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 you are getting pushback from the head coach, from the general manager, from everyone who you've spoken to about this, if you are in fact interested in a trade, um, and they're 
pushing back on you. Hey, maybe think about it. Listen, we still love you here. We want you back. Maybe you you stop wasting your time talking to those folks and you start talking to the real decision makers, which essentially are the people at the top rung of the ladder, which is the Glazer family. And so you go to a game, you know, innocuous offseason Manchester United game. But who are you going to see while you're there? I mean, I'm not, I don't know if there's reports out that members of the Glazer family met with Tom. I haven't seen those yet, Um, but it's possible. I'm just saying this. It doesn't feel like he's done, does it? There has been no, look, I mean, a nine, a nine page uh, or or whatever you want to say, nine post uh, Instagram about his retirement. Like that's it. No press conference. Yeah. No one one day contract with the Patriots and and have the the jersey retired, like I, I mean it just doesn't feel like this story's over yet. No, he, it's not. It, so I look. I don't know if this is it, right? I like you said, everything can wait, including his comeback. He, he Maybe could, it's not could, this season. Exactly, he could sit out a year. Yep, yep. He could sit out yep. a year and still come back at age forty six. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, mean, I mean, I mean, but again. Uh, Tampa does have some control of this situation. And so how much are they willing to – I mean, he gave him a Super Bowl championship. I mean, I don't know why they would have a problem if he wants to go somewhere else. And then there's – I mean, we keep talking about the 49ers. He grew up in the Bay Area. He was a big Joe Montana fan. It seems a regular. His parents still live there. But if you're the 49ers, do you want that? I mean, I would – but you have a young quarterback. You traded a couple number ones to get Trey Lance. You want to move on. Maybe you want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. I mean, to me, if I could bring in Tom Brady for a year and win a Super Bowl, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see how this plays out. But I, he's playing at Coy. He knows how to market himself. That's why he's a genius. And, uh, again, his manicured looks uh, and Ronaldo's. Truly remarkable. Have you ever decided to maybe groom your eyebrows? And, you know, Ronaldo does that. You know, he has them waxed so they look perfect. Have you ever had the uh, desire to do that with your eyebrows? Is that something you would see yourself doing? You know, that's not on the list yet. No, not I'm the not, manicured but, uh, eyebrows. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it never will be. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know. But okay. uh, just not, not uh, let's find what's trending right now. Is once again, Amanda does have to manicure everything because you know why argue shave with, it off yeah it, why argue with perfection <laughs> right, just, 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 no i just shave my head bald that's all yeah ralph, can you imagine if ralph d- d- like taking his own advice there shaved off his eyebrows as well yeah like, can you <laughs> don't touch the eyebrows like when you when you finally decided to shave the head um how did that happen that's what I know, because I've known Ralph for 25 years. So how did this happen? It was 100 degrees outside, and I didn't want any hair on my head. Yes. And did it feel liberated at yeah. the time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You feel lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe a little bit more yeah. aerodynamic. Always sleek. Did it, did, yeah. it, <laughs> did it help your golf game at all? Uh, sure. I mean, you became Stuart Sink is basically what you did. Again, that yeah. wasn't a yes. Yeah. That was okay. not a yes. Okay. <laughs> Probably. Maybe. Come on, Rich. You didn't get the joke. <laughs> like Tom Brady, probably. <laughs> no, probably. that's where yes, I was going. Go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, two games still going on in the NCAA conference tournament action, so two more bids to be handed out uh, in the American Conference. They've just started the second half. Number 18, Houston, a 36-24 lead over Memphis. They're still at the intermission. 
in the Big Ten tournament. And number 24, Iowa, continues to lead number 9, Purdue, 35-24. Tennessee punched their ticket, winning the SEC tournament 65-50 over Texas A&M. Richmond is going out of the Atlantic 10. They beat Davidson 64-62. And Yale wins the Ivy League title 66-64. And that produced, gentlemen, what I think is maybe the funniest thing of selection weekend. Hmm. Ivy League champion t-shirts for Yale with Bulldogs spelled B-U-L-L-D-G-O-D-S. No, 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 no. For Yale. For Yale. Wow. Wow. From the Ivy League. Mm. Incredible. Can't believe it. Refuse to believe it. And yet you can. Uh, (laughs) I will will retweet the picture uh, shortly. Love it. NBA action, two games on the floor right now. Detroit a 56-48 lead over the Clippers, 8-13 to play in the third quarter. Dallas a 41-32 lead, or make that Boston a 41-32 lead over Dallas, 2-15 to play in the first half there. Uh, Luka Doncic did leave with a leg injury, but he is available to come back and play. So that good news there. And Brooklyn was a winner over the Knicks, 110-107. Send it back. It's Steve Hartman. It's Rich Ornberger on a Fox Sports Sunday. All right, Ralph, thank you very much. If cold candidate calls aren't turning into hot hiring leads, you need Indeed because Indeed's powerful hiring platform makes it easy to track, screen, and interview candidates all from one place. Find your next game and next great hire uh, visiting Indeed.com slash credit. So we got the third round underway of the uh, Players' Championship. There are guys that are going to try to get in two full rounds today. Two full rounds today, and they are hoping, weather permitting, to uh, finish off this tournament tomorrow. Do you sympathize with golfers having to play 36 holes, or you're like, (laughs) wow, let me get this straight. I get paid to play a full 36 on one of the most uh, incredible courses in the country. Yes, challenge, a lot of pressure, Yeah, but there's a pot of gold waiting for someone, or really anyone that makes the cut. They're all going to make it pretty good. Um, I I, I don't know. Is that that a tough call to to suddenly have to play 36? Call around to all of your friends and ask them, instead of showing up at work Monday, if they'd rather play a full 18 in the morning and then take a break for lunch and yeah. then play another full 18 on one of the most gorgeous golf courses in the country. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure, I'm pretty really sure you wouldn't get to the fifth caller before you found your foursome. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Look, golf is obviously not a uh, as physically a challenging a sport as as most other sports but what it is is it's mentally exhausting oh yes especially when you're at the top of the leaderboard especially when you're facing conditions especially maybe in certain cases where you're not used to being at the top of a leaderboard you know it can be mentally exhausting especially when there's such an enormous prize purse you know if you're somebody who makes cuts but rarely is in the conversation to win a tournament and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the top 10 or the top five and you got to play a double header so to speak on a on a sunday leading into a monday finish and i mean how many of those 
eight-foot putts mm-hmm. where normally you're cool and you're confident and you're collected. Even, you know, you got a nice easy lie, nice re- easy read rather, and, and you're just going to tap that sucker in. I mean, your knees have to be shaking on those. So, yeah, I mean, yes, 36 holes is not physically taxing, but the mental tax, I mean, it, it can be supreme at times. Yeah, they're playing threesomes right now, and they're all out on the course. So this is the way they're going to try to make up time as quickly as possible uh, and hope for a uh, final round, which won't be as crazy. But they, they're squeezing in a lot of golf today, uh, and it's cold, uh, and there's a lot at stake again to win a player's championship. All right, so we have been covering some uh, baseball talk today. I had a lot of good baseball talk today. Uh, you know, getting back to the NFL, and we were talking about the Tom Brady situation I wanted to talk a little bit about the numbers in the NFL here, Rich. So the uh, salary cap is at $208 million. Mm-hmm. $208 million. That's a lot of cheese. And and remember how this all works. So the $208 million of the salary cap in the NFL coincides with each team's share of the NFL television network contracts so that's basically a wash every year so each team is given about 208 million dollars their equal share of the network contract and that coincides with the cap so that's a wash right that's basically no money out of our pockets now there is money out of your pockets if you restructuring contracts and again everybody has to get to that limit at least on the books on Wednesday. All right. There's no, you got to get down. You got to cut guys, restructure contracts, and everything else. And when you look at the new collective bargaining agreement with the NFL, the numbers will just continue to go up, up, up. We got streaming services. We got Amazon suddenly involved, uh, you know, with Thursday. I mean, it. It's crazy. We've seen it now with, uh, now is it official? Did Joe Buck officially leave Fox to go to ESPN? Was that reported yesterday? Is that 100% right now? Yeah, I think, uh, was it Mandel with the um, with the New York Post had it first? Right. Uh, and we know he still had a year left on his contract, but we've seen these announcer salaries. Or uh, Marshan, not, not Mandel. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he is expected to leave Fox Sports was the deal for a right. huge ESPN deal. So it's not even just the players. The announcers, I mean, the contracts these announcers are getting. It just seems like everybody connected to the NFL is getting rich right now. And they're just, it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. Or is there? Is there anything, anything that you could see to derail this train right now, the NFL? Anything? Uh, no, not really. I, I mean, look, they've survived some some pretty awful public relations uh, circumstances. I mean, regarding a myriad of, of different things that have been third rails, whether it be from a domestic violence situation or misconduct at the ownership level um, or uh, political issues that they've faced in the recent past or, you know, weighing in on, on racial issues. I, I mean, it's been the past decade in the NFL has been rife with controversy. But if there's one thing that we know, and this is analytically proven, based on viewership numbers and activity on fantasy football leagues and every other analytic you can use to determine the NFL's 
charge forward as being the most prominent sports league in the United States hasn't slowed not one bit. It's only growing. Think about this. Aikman signs reportedly a five-year, $92.5 million contract. And the story on Buck is it's going to be five years around $75 million. That's what ESPN is going to pay two guys. And that doesn't count the money they're spending on the Mannings with their alternate broadcast. Right. This is just incredible. I, I can't overstate my disbelief when I first joined the radar organization back in 1984 of what the league was then and where it is now. There was no way to project this. Yeah, it was the league on the rise, you know, and there was some, you know, the Super Bowl was obviously building and the NFL was at the point now where it was even with Major League Baseball or getting close to that level. But there was just no way, no way that you could have predicted that the they would get to this level. I mean, I cannot wait to see what the final price tag is going to be on the sale of the Denver Broncos. Yeah, well, I it's mean, going to be I, enormous. We, were, we thought it might be four billion. It could be five or six. It could be eight billion. Yeah, Look, I, mean, I mean, let's be. If you if you get these guys with the funny money just competing back and forth, and all they want to do is buy one of these teams, there's no end to it. And let's be very honest with each other. When you talk about what it takes to buy a franchise now, it's not just buying the franchise. It's buying into becoming, you know, American royalty. I mean, these owners, I mean, they they are tied into government. They're tied into at the local city, state and federal level. Um, they have access to anything they need or want at a moment's notice. Uh, they're protected legally. I mean, think about how many things that if you were accused of, if you were an NFL player, I mean, you would be being processed through the court system. But, you know, some of the stuff that's come out of Washington, with the commanders, uh, some of the things that recently has come out of Dallas with the Cowboys at the ownership level, at the executive level, I mean, these people are protected. You know, so you're not just buying into, um, you're not just buying into a, a corporate conglomeration. You're buying into a royal family. You need to be anointed. You know, so it's either through nepotism that you earn a spot. Um, you know, like many of these team owners who have inherited their success, or you have to be anointed by the rest of the the thirty one owners if you should buy a team, or you know, because again, it's not just as simple as having the money. It's also passing the vote. Like the owners have to welcome you in in order for you to be in. And so we'll see what the price tag ends up being. I, I think it could be, I mean, fill in the blank. I, I think it could be it could be the largest number you could dream of. It's already gone beyond that. I mean, I never dreamt this. All right, on the other side, all right, we're, we're getting close. Which teams are holding their breath right now? on whether or not they're going to get to the big dance. We're going to tell you coming up next. Steve Harvin, Rich Ornberger, Fox Sports Sunday. Hiring heating up. Indeed's hiring platform makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates on Indeed whose resumes match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. All right, I want to thank the crew today. Iowa Sam is, uh, well, he's dizzy right now. Purdue leading Iowa 47-46. Still a whopping 13 minutes plus to go in this Big Ten championship game. Uh, so, Sam, you think if the Hawkeyes win, they could be four seed 
Something, yeah, I think a four seed. And uh, otherwise a five, maybe a six seed. Four to six, yeah, somewhere in that range. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Ralph Irvin, of course, is saying that UCLA, his school, uh, should be a higher seed than a four based on their resume. Um, how about you, Ryan? Any dog in the race here? Uh, not really. It would be cool to see UCLA win. Uh, yeah. My guy Jaime Jaquez representing Camarillo. There you go. Oh. The great Jaime Jaquez Jr., yeah. by the way. Triple J. You know, uh, last year uh, UCLA lost four straight games going into Selection Sunday. And then I'm talking about some of these bubble teams that we're looking at right now. I mean, if you're a Xavier fan, Michigan fan, uh, BYU, Notre Dame, I mean, you're holding your breath right now. I honestly thought last year UCLA was not going to make the tournament. Uh, you end the season on a four-game losing streak. It bounced in the first round of your conference tournament. It dropped the record to 17-9. and nine. I thought, no, nah, they're not going to get in. And then I look up and I'm like, wow, they put them in the first four. That's almost like not making the tournament, right? You're like, all right, first four, great. So you get some – does it even count? Like if you lose that game where you're actually in the tournament – well, they ended up winning that game in overtime against Michigan State, and the next thing I know, they're in the Final Four. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> it just, I mean, you always say, is it good to have a, a, a hot streak going in? It, it's all over the map. The I mean, one thing I do know is you need to bet against your Bruins. Oh, like if yes. this is going Absolutely. to If this is going to work out for UCLA making a deep run, mm. if there's one thing that many of our listeners don't know but I was uniquely aware of throughout this football season is Steve is on a mush run like you've oh, never seen no doubt you are just getting dominated every time every time you place a bet so I, I i mean first round knockout is that what it's gonna look like on your bracket well i mean last year to show you the how things can work in this ncaa tournament so they beat michigan state in the play-in game so now they're the 11th seed right and they're playing a six seed byu in the next round and they get the win but now you're probably going to face the third seed, except the third seed lost to Abilene Christian. I mean, Abilene Christian well, of to course. get to the Sweet 16. They win that game by 20 points, you know, and then they navigate through Alabama and Michigan and get to the Final Four. So, so much luck involved. You just want to be there. There was another year, 2015, same thing, where UCLA was a bubble team, and they got in, they beat the sixth seed, and next thing you know, the three seed goes down, you're playing a 14 seed to get to the Sweet 16. So, there's a lot of luck involved. Uh, you just want to get there. So, I, I feel for some of the... Uh, Fans, as I said, right now, in the moment, the biggest bubble teams we see are Notre Dame, BYU, Xavier, Michigan. Yeah. Out of that group, two will make it. Yeah. And two yep. will not. Crazy year for Michigan. Um, yeah, it, but it just goes to show you how fickle college basketball is. One year, great. One year, not so great. I mean, also conferences change a great deal. And now with um, the transfer portal – a team that may have really struggled in in a year's time can completely change their fortunes. So, yeah, this is only going to get more uh, interesting as this decade starts to tick by because I think uh, I think it's going to be a huge evening effect uh, and factor on college basketball as we see more player, almost free agency is the way I would describe it. I just again I get back to the Big Ten and. Like the Indiana Hoosiers, they had a losing record in their conference this year. 9-11 and 11 in conference. 
I mean, don't do you think you should get an invite to the tournament if you have a losing record in your own conference? It isn't. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's like it's, the NBA with the playing teams. But <laughs> we were talking about like the the Lakers and the Pelicans that are you know eight, ten, twelve games. Really, you going to get rewarded with a uh, a chance to play postseason? Well, this know. is even different, more different than that because I agree with you in the NBA. But this is this is like looking at all those losses, right, yeah. and saying, oh, but all of them or most of them were really good losses. Right. They played top tier teams really close in all of those losses. It's a strange way to equate things. It really is, but it's the best system that they've come up with so far. And I, <laughs> I mean, did look, you ever have a coach after a loss come in and say, guys, that was a quality loss. That <laughs> no, was, that was, no. uh, don't be, a, don't Doesn't hang work that heads. way in football. That one was good for us. We, that was, that loss was hey, good Hey, we hung today. tough there and that's actually yeah. better than a big win over a bad team. All right. Yeah, we get ready. Uh, get your brackets ready. Yeah. We're counting down to selection Sunday for all the latest. Just keep it right here on Fox Sports Radio. 